Happy Friday, everybody out there. Welcome to the next edition of the Logic and Larry podcast. I am your host, Larry Aluciato Crane. I have the vinyl behind me as I always do. It is Friday night as it always is. I welcome you to this intellectual pursuit and this journey that we're about to embark upon together as we do every week. It's a pleasure to be back with you. Just like always, I'm broadcasting from Newark, New Jersey, downtown. I'm looking out across the vast skyline of the New York metropolitan area. I'm watching the New Jersey transit trains whiz by with the traffic of McCarter Highway. And I'm thinking about all the things that are on my mind. Many of the same things that are probably on your mind. And that's why we're here. To discuss these things, to dissect these things, to delve deep into these things. And even that modern, that modern song that I started the cast with, Rick still knew it. Because Rick had already vibed with it earlier in the week. We already talked about it. That's Rick. Rick always knows what's going on. That's just Rick. That's him. Now, you know that everything I say on this podcast is just my sole opinion. Only reflects the opinions of myself as an individual and does not reflect the opinions of any other entity or any other person whatsoever. These are only my personal views, and I'm speaking in my capacity as a private citizen. All those things being said, as I normally say over and over, this is a rough week for me. I, uh, my car, which is my beautiful last caddy that I had, I had so many Cadillacs in my life. The last one was a beautiful DTS Platinum Edition, had a beautiful top on it, beautiful rugs, beautiful car. Just put a new transmission in it. Wound up getting rear ended out in Morris County. Somebody was trying to get around me to try to get home quicker than they should have been, and they rear ended me, and it wound up being a total loss. So I've had no car. I went out to Long Island. I bought a beautiful, beautiful Cadillac DTS. Gray outside, slate gray, under 50,000 miles, beautiful interior, beautiful engine, beautiful rims. Came back home from Long Island, was on the BQE, got through Queens, got through Brooklyn. Once I hit Manhattan, hit the brake, and there's some kind of computer glitch when you hit the brake too hard, the computer glitch kicks in and causes problems. So now my car is still out in Long Island getting repaired again. So I'm coming to you without a car. But in city living, you don't really need one, so I'm okay. And I appreciate you sitting with me this Friday night and vibing. It's September now. Isn't it crazy that we started this podcast during the tumultuous beginning of 2020 in March when... COVID was just kind of kicking in and we were wondering where it was going to take us and now it's already September. It's the time of football. It's the time of back to school. It's the time of renewed kind of... It's funny because the renewed year is supposed to be January 1st, but to those of us who have attained, you know, graduate degrees, bachelor's degrees, etc., we, I think, will always associate September with the new year, right? I mean, it's like it's inescapable at this point. If you've attained, if you've attended school that long, even if you're an attorney and you, you go to court years, 
September is the start of everything, not really January, you know. So now we're in this September. It's already September of 2020. It flew by in a bad way, right? It flew by because we were so bogged down in COVID and so bogged down in all the craziness that the year flew by in quarantine. What a weird, surreal existence we've lived through, ladies and gentlemen. What a weird, surreal existence we've lived through up to this point. Where now, it's already September. And it's flown by because of the detrimental aspect of COVID and everything else that we've gone through up to this point. It's just crazy. It really is crazy. But long story short, luckily, in Jersey at least, we are almost through this crazy thing. We are almost through this crazy thing. We are down in our numbers, and so COVID is hopefully dissipating here and, and in the rest of the country. We have vaccines that are in trial periods. We're still not out of the woods, but we're getting there. So that's a good thing. That's definitely a good thing. And here we are, though, in September of 2020, and we're looking out at current events. The election is, a, is upon us, and it's so interesting, too, because this was such a pivotal election. Many people, whether you're a Trump supporter or you don't like Trump, have been waiting for this election year for four years. And now it's upon us, and it's almost, almost an afterthought. It almost doesn't really feel like an election year. It almost doesn't feel like election season because of this COVID thing that is upon us. And it's interesting, and that's where we are. And today's theme, tonight's theme is the idea of false prophets, false prophecies, people who fake it, you may buy into, people who the public deems it advantageous to buy into, yet it's probably not in their best interest. And we're going to start with this story that came out. I don't know if everybody's seen it. This story of the woman Professor Krug. Professor Krug is a woman who was a Jewish woman, is a Jewish woman, should I say, is a Jewish woman. And she's a professor of different African studies and things of that nature, and she's been at it for several years. And this woman, Miss Krug, is actually a white Jewish woman from the suburbs of Kansas City. And yet she's been pretending for years, for years, that she is of first North African descent, then Caribbean descent, then Latina descent. And she's been a professor of African studies and different studies throughout her career. And she has dark hair and she tans, but... Quite frankly, I'm not trying to say that you can ascertain somebody's race by looking at them, because we know that's a, a flawed way of doing things. However, looks like a lot of other just dark-haired Jewish girls I might have known growing up in my life. Turns out, this uh, week she came out and admitted that her entire career was a farce, and that she's actually a Jewish white woman from the suburbs of Kansas City, and she has been profiting off the backs of African-American people, and off the backs of African-American struggle, and off the backs of African-American uh, theory for years. 
And for years, this woman was a, a standard bearer, apparently, in her circles, of the, uh, the left's uh, grievance study, for lack of a better term. And she is somebody who stood up in, at a conference and said, used the F word, said, you fucking white gentrifiers of my neighborhood, and said... All the white people who waited until people like me of color got the chance to speak, things of that nature. Turns out, she herself is white. And this woman has been profiting off the racket that has become race relations in this country. It's a sad state of affairs, but in this country, I assure you, nothing in this country is sacred as long as money's involved. I assure you of that. Money was involved here. And anybody who can hustle any type of hot-button issue is going to make a profit, and they are going to be shameless in doing so. And this woman, Miss Krug, is similar to Miss Dotzel, who was not that many years ago, another white woman who had faked the funk and pretended to be a black woman, for lack of a better term. The latest to hustle in this race thing which has proven to be advantageous for some, and it's a, it's a shame. And what I'm getting at here when I bring her up is people who followed her, who read her literature, who confided in her as a fellow person who was persecuted by the system, who confided in her as an ally for the same cause, are now struck in awe and struck in surprise that she is not what she has pretended to be. She is not who has she said she had been. And it's a shame. They've come out and said, I, I can't believe it's not her. I can't believe that's not who she was. Yet we shouldn't be surprised that people are profiting off of this hustle. This hustle is all around us. It's an absolute shame that these people profit off of this. It's an absolute shame that these people gain notoriety by talking about this when they have no idea what they're talking about. And we've talked about this, not to sound repetitious or redundant, we've talked about this on the podcast from jump. From jump. White leftists profiting off the backs of actual racial disparities. It's been a problem. And this is an extreme example, of course, an extreme example. But nonetheless, it's an example. And this is just the latest in the long legacy of what's going on. And now, it's not an isolated incident, right? It's not an isolated incident at all. What's going on today in America? When I scroll through my timeline, what I see is news, reputable news organizations even, reputable news organizations. Consistently, they're almost casting, for lack of a better term, a wide net. Any police-involved shooting involving white police officers and black victims, they will report, they will double down on the rhetoric, they will put out there into the stream of consciousness that is our social media, and they will fish for the best story that gets the most clicks. And as you see, as the Jacob Blake saga kind of subsides in our collective consciousness, for better or worse, they are fishing for more stories. There's stories from March, stories that are coming out now, even involving people with weapons. Any story that makes some kind of viability 
Any story that they think may generate clicks, they are trying to keep that up. Now ask yourself, like this Krug woman, are these media outlets doing this because they really care about the struggle, the racist, systematic struggle that we have in this country, or are they doing this because they're looking for the next click, looking for the next payoff like Miss Krug was? Because some of these stories, to me, are, are not what we had in mind when we embarked on the journey of racial justice. And yet so many are falling victim to it. I see so many people... Th th so this week, for instance, the last... In recent events, Hurricane Laura hit Louisiana. Now, this was the most powerful hurricane. If you didn't know, now you know. To quote... One of the best rappers ever. If you didn't know, now you know. This was one of the most powerful hurricanes to hit the Louisiana mainland, the Louisiana coast, since 1856. You heard me right. One of the strongest hurricanes to hit Louisiana since 1856. And we already know about the one from a couple decades ago. We already know about that one. So to, for this to be the strongest since 1856 must be one hell of a storm. Must be one hell of devastation for the people of Louisiana. And you know who's always most impacted by natural disasters? It's always people in poverty. It's always the least fortunate people. They've been hit hard by this hurricane, and yet, how much news coverage have you really seen over it? How many people? Is this like Katrina, where they were out here talking about it in these huge telethons, where Kanye West is making statements? No. This Katrina thing, this Laura thing, is far from our collective consciousness. Why is that? Why is nobody on social media, this, this ridiculously broad medium that we've been blessed with to share information, why is this such a second thought, if not a non-existent thought? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's because we've been so preoccupied, at least my timeline has, so preoccupied so preoccupied with this proxy war that's being waged in the streets of Wisconsin and this proxy war that's being waged in the streets of Portland. This social media proxy war where people are consistently hung up on Rittenhouse, the vigilante right-winger who's charged with murder from Wisconsin. These other individuals, this guy Danielson, who was killed in Portland by this individual Reinhold, who was a leftist, self-proclaimed Antifa activist. We are so preoccupied with this Fugazi proxy war about who was right and who was wrong. So Rittenhouse happened. There were some stories that it might have been self-defense, many more stories that it wasn't self-defense. Most people agreed he shouldn't have been there. He was a clown. He was a young kid who thought he was a vigilante. He got caught up in it. He's now charged with murder. He's charged with murder. So it's not like he got away scot-free or anything of that nature. He's charged with murder. 
So he's charged with murder now, and the ongoing conversation, though, for better the better part of a week or more has been, well, was Rittenhouse justified or not? All anybody says on my timeline is, well, look at this new Rittenhouse evidence. Maybe Rittenhouse was this. Maybe it was that. And this Reinhold thing, it was in Portland, Oregon. It was this individual, Mr. Danielson, who apparently was a pro-Trumpy. He was a kind of pro-Trump, pro-maybe. You don't even know if this guy was pro-white nationalist or not. You don't know. He was a self-proclaimed Trump supporter. He was part of a, a, a group that had apparently been a pro-right, a very far-right protest group who had been known to attend different protests and different places of unrest and kind of clash with Black Lives Matter activists. And he was there, and apparently, I mean, he, well, not apparently, the truth is, he got shot, he's dead. The individual that they say murdered him was this individual, Mr. Reinholt. Mr. Reinholt's a 29-year-old, I think 39, actually, 39-year-old white male from the Portland area who apparently has been a long-time, you know, Antifa, long-time left-wing activist. The video apparently shows Mr. Danielson pulling out, or Daniels, Danielson, correct me if I'm wrong, pulling out some kind of weapon of his pocket, apparently was mace, and Reinhold shoots and kills him. Now, the same arguments that go for Rittenhouse go for him, right? Was it self-defense? Well, if a guy's pulling out a weapon, it very well could qualify as self-defense that he killed the guy. But the police... They went to apprehend this individual, and upon apprehending him, he had a weapon, and upon apprehending him, he got killed by police. Unfortunately, he is now dead. And all I see on my timeline, non-stop on my timeline, is just one-upping each other, this proxy social media war. Was Rittenhouse guilty? This new evidence, look at Rittenhouse, you know, two years ago, he's a scumbag, but don't talk about my guys two years ago, because it's irrelevant. Well, let's look at Reinhold. Reinhold was Antifa. Antifa is a loosely defined thing that doesn't really exist. But like, you know, when just so you know, when when Reinhold killed the the pro-Trumper, several people that were there on the left celebrated it. They said, well, he's a fascist, the guy they killed. So so good for him. He should die. He's a fascist. Right. And who cares what the reason is? He's a fascist. He's dead. But those same people, when Rittenhouse killed the people chasing him, were saying, well, Rittenhouse is a murderer because they're allowed to chase him. I'll find any reason why he's a murderer, and I'll find any reason why it wasn't self-defense. Those same people now are saying, I'll find any reason why Reinhold was innocent and the other guy was guilty. Any reason why it wasn't self-defense. And on the other hand, people on the right are saying, well, I'll find any reason why Rittenhouse was acting in self-defense. But I'll find any reason why Reinhold was a murderer. Do you realize... Do you realize that you come off as a joke when you do that? How about the fact that all of these people have shown up to places where unrest is prevalent? That all of these people have shown up there with weapons... That all of these people have said to themselves that I don't maybe advocate for violence at first. But that all these people have said, if there is violence or the opportunity for violence, I will engage in violence and I myself will feel justified. And that anybody who does that is probably asking for trouble. 
Has anybody reconciled with themselves the fact that anybody who does that is asking for trouble? And that no matter how hard and how far and how viciously we press our own justification and the justification of our own side, that all of these people are in similar situations. Each of them appeared at a place of unrest. Each of them were looking for a fight. Each of them found a fight. Each of them let off shots and decisively ended the fight in a way that the United States legal system does not deem justified. And that any attempt to try to normalize your side and disenfranchise the other side is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. Rittenhouse was a clown for showing up there and picking a fight, and so was Reinhold. And the guy who got killed, the Trumpy, Daniels, he shouldn't have picked the fight with a guy with a gun either. He shouldn't have tried to pull out Mace. All these guys are proclaiming that they're there to keep the peace. They're there to defend either the protesters, if you're on the left, or defend the pro-Trump caravans, if you're on the right, from violence. But in reality, they are the violent people. Whether you're a Trump supporter with a megaphone or whether you're a protester with a megaphone yelling at the police, either way, you are a peaceful protester protected under the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. And if you are somebody who shows up there with a weapon to violently confront those people, you are not a protector of the United States Constitution. You are not a protector of anything. You are an agitator. I found it interesting when I was reading about Reinhold's story today, the left-wing guy who got killed by police today, that he was well-versed in in de-escalation. He was well-versed in dismissing agitators. He was well... Well, who are the agitators? The agitators could be Trumpies who are there to pick fights with protesters. The agitators could also be people who are throwing bombs and fireworks at the courthouse in Portland. And Portland's not even a city that had any issue where they needed to do that. So who are the agitators? They're all agitators. They're all agitators. If you're a Trump person and you want to shoot somebody for expressing their First Amendment right to call for police reform, you are not American to me. That's not American. That's fascist. That's fascist. But guess what? If you're on the other side and you're a leftist who celebrates the murder of a person who's a Trump supporter, you are not an American either. You are not a liberator of all that is good. You are a communist. And I know all the left people will say, well, we're not communists. They're democratic socialists. That's fine. A democratic socialist, if the definition is true to what you say it is, would not gun somebody down in the streets for simply advocating for a position. Even if that position was detestable. Even if that position was unfathomable from your perspective, even if that position was largely already being disenfranchised by the general populace, because fascism and racism has already been largely discredited by the vast majority of the American people. You would not deem it necessary or justified to shoot somebody in the street for expressing their opinion if you were a true American. A true person who believed in democracy. The only people that do those types of things and call it justified are communists and fascists. Period. Period. There's no debate. There's no debate. That's it. That's it. That's it. And we spend so much time 
feeding into the media narratives that divide us. People literally get charged up and get radicalized off of Facebook to the point that they are arming themselves and showing up to hotspots where there is violence and unrest and engaging in hand-to-hand combat and engaging in weapon-to-weapon combat because of it. That is a huge, huge, huge problem. And we've really got to get past that. While Hurricane Laura unleashed havoc in Louisiana, while the election is impending, it's upon us, we are busy trying to wage these proxy wars. And if you're an individual on social media who's spending all their time trying to find out how you can one-up the other individual about two guys who killed each other or two guys from two different places who engaged in combat and died or whatever, and you spend all your time doing that instead of reporting on what happened with the hurricane, instead of on day-to-day activities that can improve the lives of the people you claim to advocate for, if you're not out there actually trying to change laws, if you're not out there actually trying to advocate for those you say you're advocating for, but yet you're just feeding into the social media narrative and spending all your time arguing about these vigilantes, no matter what side they're on, who got arrested or got killed or got whatever because they're engaged in hand-to-hand combat, you're not part of the solution. You're part of the problem. And I'm sick and tired of engaging in the conversation at all because it's not productive. It's not productive. We've got to get past that. There are some stories that have come out in the mainstream media lately just to gin up, you know, support and just to get clicks that I have simply not discussed, not because they don't they don't warrant some discussion, but because if I discuss them, it gives them credence. And if I do that, I'm taking away from some of the issues that we could actually have an impact on and we could actually make a difference on. So I refuse to do it. And when we talk about false prophets like this woman Krug, there's other false prophets out there. There's other false prophets out there right now who are doing the same thing Miss Krug did, who are race pretenders, who are engaged in the race hustle. And I won't name them by name because the backlash would be so severe, it'd be crazy, but they're out there. And I hope that one day they get outed just as this woman Miss Krug did. I really hope they do because they're out there. And we know who they are. Now... In the spirit of race hustle and false prophets, what do you think I'm going to pivot to next? Because it's pretty obvious. Who's the number one race hustling false prophet out? Who shows us how it's done every day, all day? You know who? Donnie Trump. Let's talk about Donnie. So this week, it came out that Mr. Patriot himself, Mr. Patriotic American, the one that everybody who likes him seems to declare is as American as it gets. You know, if I, if I draw a meme with Trump with his shirt off on a tank, draped in American flags, overlaid in Photoshop, with a bald eagle flying, he becomes the number one American patriot. America's Trump, Trump's America. I'm American guy. Let's be real. The story that came out this week in The Atlantic, guys, this is false prophecy at its finest. And and you could get mad at me, but let's be real. 
if you think I'm BSing about false prophecy, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, it's just like Jesus Christ being white, okay? Jesus Christ is not white. Jesus Christ was not even born on December 25th. But people will die, die to proclaim that he was. They'll die for that, even though none of it's true. Because people hold their prophets so dear, so dear. And Trump is no exception to that. Trump is the example of what we've been dealing with in human history for millennia. Trump proclaims to be such a patriot, right? And all these armed forces, people love him. And all these people that say they're the most American, they're as American as you can get. They all love Trump. They love him so much. Yet to this week in the Atlantic, this week in the Atlantic, a story came out. Essentially from individuals who are higher ranking individuals, although most of them remained anonymous, from within the Trump administration, who said that Donald Trump on various occasions has disparaged members of the military, has disparaged veterans, has disparaged deceased soldiers in various wars, and simply is not as patriotic as those who support him would have you believe. And this is groundbreaking to me because it was so insensitive. This was so unpatriotic. This was so un-American. And again, the fact that it's getting not that much airtime, but, but a significant amount, I'm not going to BS you, the mainstream media jumped on a little bit, is astounding. I mean, the things he said, so when he was in France and he was supposed to visit the cemetery that had, with the soldiers who had perished in World War I, the story had been that he didn't go because the helicopter wasn't working and the Secret Service had said that the trip wasn't safe on that day for whatever reason, it wasn't feasible, and he wouldn't be going to the cemetery for those reasons. Now it's come out, and the reporting, at least according to The Atlantic, which is a reputable periodical, has essentially stated that he didn't go not because Secret Service said he shouldn't go, and not because the helicopter couldn't fly there, but that he didn't go because he didn't want to mess his hair up in the rain. It was rainy that day, and he couldn't even really remember which war he was um, memorializing, and he, and, he, and he also couldn't understand why anybody had died in war in the first place, because there was no monetary quid pro quo for them. So why would they die for their country if there's nothing in it for them? And soldiers who die in war are suckers, quote, suckers. Now, this corresponds with his comments about John McCain. And we know that it corresponds with his comments about John McCain. When he said that John McCain was somebody who got captured. So why would he celebrate somebody who got captured? He likes people who don't get captured. That was his thing. I like people who don't get captured. That was his rhetoric on John McCain. So are we really surprised that he said that in general? We also heard reports in the Atlantic that he said it about George Bush Sr. The fact that George Bush Sr. got shot down in the plane made him a loser. And why is he celebrating him? He continuously, including to his former chief of staff, General Kelly, said, why would people go to war and fight? And including when he went to Arlington National Cemetery and General Kelly's son was being honored, who had fallen and died at age 29 in Afghanistan, he turned to him and said, I don't understand why these kids go and do this. And Kelly had initially taken it as a general statement that, wow, what a sacrifice. 
I don't understand why these young men would even go into it. It's 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 pretty uh, a pretty high honor. And Kelly later came to the conclusion that that wasn't the case. That actually Trump had meant that he truly did not understand why anybody would sacrifice themselves for their country because there is no monetary quid pro quo. There's nothing in it for them. And that is devastating, especially if you are somebody who proclaims that Trump is some true patriot who we should all be admiring and respecting as a true patriot, especially if we are patriotic. Now... For good measure, the White House said that none of this ever occurred. This is a farce. He never said that. He respects our troops, etc., etc. Other reports were that when they lowered the flag for McCain, that he was mad about them lowering the flag for McCain, and that he was, why are we celebrating this loser? I mean, let's be honest. What do we know about Donald Trump? What do we know about Donald Trump? Is it more plausible that he did do that? And more plausible that he did call John McCain a loser because he doesn't like John McCain because John McCain doesn't like him? Or is it more plausible that he was so ready to support John McCain? He wasn't even invited to the funeral. He didn't even go. I mean, let's be honest. He probably did complain about it. And that's a shame. That's a problem. He says that he goes out to receive the bodies of fallen soldiers frequently, but that's been debunked. He hasn't gone out there much at all. Hasn't gone out there much at all to receive the bodies of the fallen soldiers. It's a bunch of nonsense. It's a bunch of nonsense. And for good measure, the White House denied these reports adamantly. However, however, a Fox News correspondent who was actually a national security correspondent for Fox News came out this week and said... Actually, I can confirm at least two of the things in the report. I can confirm that one, one, Trump did call McCain a loser. He was angry that they were going to lower the flag at half-staff for McCain. I can confirm that. She said two. Two, I can confirm that when there was going to be a military march, a veterans march in D.C., that Donald Trump said it was a bad look, a bad look to have wounded veterans in the march because, quote, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that, meaning amputees, victims and casualties of war who had serious injuries. Donald Trump wanted to exclude from the military parade. And he wanted to exclude them from the military parade because he said, no one wants to see that. And that was his rationale. Now how, how messed up is that? How messed up is that? You don't want the people who made the ultimate sacrifice and have amputated members of their body to be in the march for the ultimate sacrifice, which is veterans. He also said that he didn't respect prisoners of war, which again goes with what he said about McCain. So you don't respect people who are prisoners of war? You don't respect that? So in the spirit of false prophecy, this is an individual who a large section of those self-proclaimed patriots of America, those self-proclaimed Quote, God-fearing, steak-eating, firework-launching, red, white, and blue-wearing, 
you know, flag-waving patriotic Americans deem their prophet, deem their standard-bearer, deem their president that they are so proud of, is really just a hollow shell, just a facade of patriotism himself. How ridiculous is that? Yet, if you try to confront any Trump person with this information, they will look at you like you have three heads and dismiss you as unpatriotic and proceed to tell you that liberals have no spine because they don't support the troops. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. But this is the climate that we're in in America. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the circumstances ultimately evince. None of it is relevant. All that is relevant is your initial opinion, and you will literally die to defend your initial opinion, even if it runs contrary to everything you stand for when the facts are revealed. That is such a problem, and that's an insult not only to human nature, but an insult to everything that this country stands for. Now, I am a patriot. I do support our troops. I do support veterans. I do think it's a prideful thing to sacrifice your life for your country. I do think it's a prideful thing to go to war for this country. I do think that the ideals of this country are worth fighting for despite its warts. I think it's well documented that I feel that way. Very well documented that I feel that way. So for our president to stand out there and disrespect the troops the way he has done and for people not to be swayed by it, for people to continue to proclaim that he's such a patriot is astounding. But it goes to the theme of what we consistently and constantly talk about on this show, doesn't it? This false narrative theme. The fact that we consistently subscribe to so many false narratives and we latch onto them and we don't particularly care if they're false, we will still fight for them to be true even if we know they're false deep down. Just because it protects our own sense of identification with what we've thought initially was the right path, that's gotta stop. The other thing coming out about Trump this week was there was a, an article in Raw Story, it was an article about the, the Trump tax cuts, right? And the other thing Trump says, in addition to saying that he's the, the ultimate patriot and he's all of those things, is that he always proclaims that he's for the working class American, right? He's for the working class, that's what he cares about. His tax cuts benefited the working class. Everything he does is for the benefit of the working people of America. Well, a story came out that showed that his tax cuts his tax cuts essentially benefited, I mean, most people aren't going to be surprised, but the average middle class person that's making $50,000 to $100,000 a year, and this incorporates their mortgage tax credits, all their other tax credits, things that were reduced under the tax bill, it essentially says that middle class individuals making fifty dollars to $100,000 a year actually only saved an average of $143 over the year when you account for the tax return, the tax credits, the taxes paid. While individuals making a lot more than them, about 125% more than them, saved an average of something like $19,000 a year. And that individuals who 
got away with tax evasion or tax fraud, i.e. contributing almost nothing to our taxes, who were millionaires, increased a lot under Trump. There are so many more millionaires paying no taxes and not getting audited and not being followed up as compared to before Trump came into office and as compared to before the tax law took effect under Trump. So the other new news is that working families, blue-collar families, suffered greatly under the Trump tax cuts. Now, me, I'm a middle-class person. I benefited to some extent from the Trump tax cuts. But I didn't benefit as much as individuals making much more money, making millions. Now, I'm not against millionaires. You know, guys, no, I'm not a far-left person. Everybody knows that. But the fact that this person can sit there and profess how much he's about patriotism and yet slap troops in the face behind their back and disparage troops in their, behind their back and proclaim that he's for the working and middle class and against the big corporations and the big rich guys who have been disenfranchising for them for years with globalization and, you know, non-border oriented economic trade and all of these things and then turn around, turn around and benefit the very rich with his tax plan is absurd. I just challenge everybody out there, honestly. I challenge everybody out there, whether you're a Trump supporter who's doing so because you think he's patriotic, whether you're a Trump supporter out there doing so because you feel he's benefiting your wallet if you're a middle-class person, whether you're a liberal thinker saying that somebody out there shooting fascists is smart, or whether you're a pro-police person thinking that somebody out going to a protest armed with a gun is a good idea because of the looting and rioting, whatever your predetermined idea is, whatever your predetermined thoughts are on these subjects, you know, I just challenge you to look beyond that. Look beyond that. What are we doing when we assert that an individual who kills somebody just because they like Trump or are a right-wing oriented person, we act like they are some sort of justified vigilante when in reality they took the law into their own hands and they are being absolutists when it comes to freedom of speech? And who are we if we think that an individual who disparages American troops at every turn as president, if we claim that he's so patriotic just because that's our preordained idea of him? What are we doing when we're just not honest with ourselves? What are we doing when we're not honest with ourselves? Are we advancing our common cause? Even if we disagree on the issues, why can't we just be real about the facts so that we can come to some objective conversation about what's going on? What's the problem? Why is that so difficult? We've got to break through this. We only have so many listeners on this show live, and then we have so many listeners that download it during the week. We're building on this thing little by little. But we can start to be the solution. We've got to have more dialogue. We've got to reject the nonsense that's out there on social media. We've got to reject it. Because we really have to overcome it and circumvent it 
and start getting real. Because these solutions, these racial imbalances, these issues with the politicians in office, the fact that we support our troops, I think so many of us are on the same page, but we let these narratives get in the way of the truth so much that it's insane. Stop following false prophets. Whatever your cause is, there's some false prophet, I guarantee you, that's leading you one way or the other. And it's just not good to follow them down whatever path they're taking you. Now, speaking of Trump, the election is coming up. It's impending upon us. It's coming so quickly, we don't even realize it. I don't. I wake up and I'm like, geez, the election's that soon. I'm like, how did, how did it come upon us so quick? Joe's out here from the bunker. He's making little appearances. Trump's over there, you know, out and about. They're trying to argue. They're trying to posture. They're trying to get ready for the different, you know, the fact that it's coming. It's coming. It's coming quick. And the polling, as I said, has tightened. The race is a real race. This is no joke, okay? Biden's not running away with this thing. Trump's not running away with this thing. While we're preoccupied with our false prophets and while we're preoccupied with these narratives trying to one-up each other on social media about who did what and whether it was justified, whether it was not justified, this guy's history matters, this guy's history doesn't because it suits my cause, this guy should have got killed, this guy doesn't because it suits my cause, this was self-defense, this wasn't because it suits my cause. While we're doing all that, there's an election going on, all right? There's polling going on. And it's, it's all... It's all, and Sherry, don't give up. Don't give up, because it feels hopeless. But the fact that we're even on this podcast with this smooth music behind us, and we gather, we are the start of something more profound. And every individual, right, every person that we share this podcast with, every individual we talk to about these issues, if we multiply each of us by 10 more, that's 100 right there. And you multiply them by 100, I mean, you see where it's going. So we can't give up. Sometimes on this podcast, I'm tired. I don't even want to get up. I told you about my caddy. I don't even want to get up. I don't even want to go on the show. I'm exhausted. But I do it because it's, it's, it's important to us, and I understand. I feel I empathize with you because I feel it's hopeless a lot of days. But we got to keep trucking. we got to keep going. That's what we're here for. That's what we're going to do. We're the thinkers. And let's be real. As, as old as this podcast seems because it's been going on a while, honestly, it's still pretty new. We only have syndications, only the fourth episode that's out there on social media. So we're just starting and we could build. We don't have to just be on the podcast, too. We could start organizations together. We could start initiatives together. We could start doing a lot of things together. There was a guy I talked to today because of something that happened with a young man in Newark that I was able to help. And this individual is involved with athletics. And it's a long story. I can't really get into it on on the radio show. But he and I started talking about different things we could do to help. And so I think going forward, there's a lot we could do. Just so you know, at the end of this show, I'm going to be playing a very good local artist named C. Lou, who had a very good song from Freehold, New Jersey. He's also a business owner. He's also a black man. Not that that matters, but let's, let's highlight what matters in this country. Let's start talking about empowering people instead of disempowering them. He's going to be on the show in two weeks to talk about his business. You should all patronize his business. You should all listen to different songs. We can share things. We can move forward in a positive way. Now, all those things being said, I'd like to talk about the election. I'd like to talk about polling and what's kind of going on right now. There's an individual named Sean. He's from the Pittsburgh area. He's very attuned to the polling. He kind of has a good grasp on, you know, where the polls have gone. 
um, and, and where they're going. And he has kind of different predictions that he's been following the polls since the early summer. And with the election, you know, upon us, I kind of want to discuss where the election's going, the trajectory, the fact it's tightened, the fact that there are different parameters in different states that matter. So I'd, I'd like to have Sean call in and come onto the show um, and, and kind of talk about those things. He's been a, a great contributor. Um, I've known him for a very long time since my older podcasts. Um, and, and he's going to talk to us tonight about, about the polls and what's going on with the polls. Um, so let's let's talk to to Sean right now. I'm gonna pull him up. Sean. Hi, Larry. What's going on, brother? Oh, not too much. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. So so just for the so the listeners know, you're calling from the Pittsburgh area, correct? Generally, Western Pennsylvania. Yep, Western Pennsylvania, around the Pittsburgh area. Awesome. And you just got off work recently, right? But you're still willing to come on and kind of talk to us a little bit about what's going on in the polls. Absolutely. Yep, I, I have no problem with that at all. I'll look forward to the good conversation here tonight. Awesome. So, Sean, so how long have you been following the polls for this election? Just when did you start kind of tuning into them the way you have recently? Uh, I, would, I would probably say probably... Like, as soon as, like, we kind of knew, I would say February, when we kind of knew that, that Joe Biden was going to be the Democratic nominee. Right. Uh, before that, like, I wasn't really, like, paying attention too much to the polls that much just because there were, like, so many candidates in. And we had, the Democrats had a lot of candidates this year mm-hmm. um, for president. So it really, I didn't really follow it then just because of the amount of candidates and the amount of scenarios. But... Then when it kind of narrowed down to Joe Biden and, and Bernie Sanders, then I started to pay attention. So I would say around, like, February when, when Super Tuesday happened and everything. Okay, so you've been following for, for a long time, almost the whole, almost the entirety of this year. Exactly, yeah. Okay. I, I've been studying it pretty pretty carefully. Okay, so now, I guess, so, so where would you start? But let's start, like, where do you see... First of all, how did the race start between Trump and Biden poll-wise? I mean, what did you see initially when Biden first emerged as the Democratic candidate? How did you assess the polling at that stage? Well, at that stage, I mean, it was, I mean, it was pretty, I mean, it was a little bit actually closer, especially like if you look nationally, but Joe Biden has always had like a lead. Mm-hmm. I think the national lead was closer to four to five points, like around the time that we had the, that that Joe Biden kind of emerged as right. like the leader of, of the Democratic Party and and won the primary it, around that time like right before like COVID really hit and everything that's when it was like a four to five point lead right and I don't know if that was gonna segue into another question of what what we're looking at now but I mean since like COVID and we had the George Floyd protests and now we have Kenosha going on. And obviously, like, these conventions and everything. Like, Joe Biden has pretty much, like, since, like, COVID, like, really took a turn for the worst and Trump started getting scrutinized. Right. That's when we started to see the numbers for Joe Biden, like, extend and expand a little bit uh, right. nationally. And, and we've been seeing it for a while in the state polls, although I'm sure we'll get to them in a minute. And the yes. state polls have tightened a little bit, although I can report to you that Joe Biden and every single what they consider their swing states 
um, Joe Biden is bleeding in every in every one of them, even if it's just a few points. So okay, so Joe let's, Biden has always looked pretty strong. Interesting. So let's talk about that. So. At this stage of the race, what do you see both nationally and on a state level, more of a swing state level? And, and when I say that, I'm going to let you kind of kind of have time to just go into in depth into what you're thinking. But, you know, keep in mind, nationally, swing states, and then are there any states we didn't think were going to be competitive that now really look competitive or look like they're going the way we didn't think? Or, you know, what are the key states that are going to be the tipping points? I mean, what are you just seeing from your perspective now since you study this stuff? You know, how does the race look right now on a national and state level with all the different intricacies and nuances involved in that? Right. Um, so right now what we have is um, currently, like, I mean, nationally, uh, we have right now the race has actually been pretty steady. And, and I've even, like, gotten this, like, from even, like, the polling, like, like different, like, analysts talking about it, like, right. on, on the news, like CNN and MSNBC and them. I mean, the, the national race has actually been pretty steady. Like, right now, Biden is close to, like, 50% right. nationally when you, like, average all the polls out, and Trump's, like, around 43%. So it's actually about a seven-point race, and it's always been a seven-point race for the last couple of months. It's actually been pretty steady. And, I mean, the, each poll's different, obviously. Like, we have, like, I mean, there's been a lot of polls, like, regardless if it's CNN or if it's... Right. Or if it's um, or whoever the case may be, like we've had a lot of polls um, this year, or this this year taken national polls, right. and and so we kind of look at the average, and I go to Real Clear Politics for that. It's actually a really, it's a pretty good website, and mm-hmm. I think it leans a little bit to the conservative side. I've noticed bit, that like too. Yes. And everything. Yes. I think um, overall, like when it comes to the national polls, like it, I mean it's consistently shown like joe biden with like a seven point lead right now, seven points is pretty big sean so just so to, to stop you so seven points is that that's outside the margin of error correct the seven points did i lose them um, oh, I, I got I, you. I, you, were break, you were breaking up a little bit. Oh, t- I couldn't hear the question. Okay. Can you repeat it? I'm yes. Sorry. I'm saying, so the seven points, is that outside the margin of error? Yeah, that is. Yeah, the margin of error is usually is usually about three to four points. Right. Well. Okay. So, I mean, that's usually what the margin of error is. And again, each poll is different. But, I mean, when I, when I take a look at even, like, the averages, like, like I kind of go with that three to four point margin of error, just just as kind of to make it easy when studying these polls, because there are so many polls and so many like different margin margins of error. So I right. get like a three or four point margin of error um, when it comes to like the the national um, numbers. So Joe Biden is leading on the national level. That, I mean, the thing that, to keep in mind, though, like, it is a national poll, so right. that means, like, you're, you could be getting samples, like, from, like, your state, New Jersey, right. which is going to be very Democratic, or, like, California, which is very Democratic. So that's why, like, we tend to look at, like, like the swing states a little bit more. And basically, like, I have it kind of narrowed down to, like, six. And I'm kind of surprised at six because... Like, right after Super Tuesday, I thought it was basically four that we were going to be talking about. And, right. And, 
but now it's kind of like a core six. So, so, so Sean, just so you know, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Florida. Hold on. And then you got like. Hold on. So, so let's just. Because I'm gonna, because you're gonna be back on the show leading up to the election, so I want to keep a watch on these states. So one more time, I know you named them, just name them again for the audience. These are your six states that I that you are saying the race kind of hinges on, and I have to agree. So what are your six states? Okay, so yeah, so I would say like like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Florida, and then I also added North Carolina and Arizona as kind of like your big six. I would say. Those would be like right. what everybody's calling the core sex. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what are you seeing yeah. in those six states? Because our right. buddy Rick's from Arizona. We're from Jersey. It's not relevant. But we got one listener from Arizona who's always a, a kind of a regular. You're from Pennsylvania. I totally see those states. I'm kind of surprised about Arizona. But go ahead and break down those six states as you see it. Yeah, and Dan, I, I believe uh, I know that you – got a friend I was talking with your friend quite a bit recently from Arizona who's probably listening tonight mm-hmm. as well so I mean he could probably even like comment and say what's going on there but I've been seeing like like in Arizona right now like that's actually like when you take the average of like all the states mm-hmm. the state of the polls in each of the states um Joe Biden has the widest lead in Arizona right now interesting the real clear politics yeah it's actually very interesting it's actually and I and I round these up to the nearest um, to the nearest poll number too, and with these percentages, so it's forty nine forty four basically. Wow. In Arizona, um, going for Joe Biden, um, there is one poll from Fox News that had it at nine points. Wow. Kind of pushed the number, the average up up a little bit, but and then another thing to keep in mind too is there's this. There's this poll that's being sponsored by the Daily Caller, which mm-hmm. is basically a right-wing poll, mm-hmm. and they've polled like they've polled Wisconsin and Michigan and Florida, and they have like like these numbers that don't really make sense that are really favorable to Trump, when like every other poll mm-hmm. out there is showing that it's that it's actually leaning a little bit towards Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's now granted it's tightened a little bit because like these averages were a lot more like right during like the George Floyd um, right deal but I mean now it's a little bit tighter because we have the conventions and everything and and, and because uh, that we're in September now so this is basically going into the height of the election season so the polls were going to tighten but right now yeah Arizona has like the biggest the margin right now it's actually kind of surprising in a way, I know the McCain's um, kind of endorsed Joe Biden at their convention. So yes, that helped or helped or not, and then and obviously you have a very popular Senate candidate there that's doing very good. So I don't know if that's helping Joe Biden a little bit as well. But now, Sean, so and, and just because we had a question in the chat now, Ohio is not in your not in your list, right? Because you think that's is that leaning Trump? I mean, I would I would say so, yes. But I mean, that that would be another one to probably keep your eye on a little bit is Ohio because like the numbers I've seen out of Ohio have been pretty close actually lately. But now that like I mean, the the only reason I say it leans towards Trump is because like the polls were pretty much neck and neck during like Trump's very low. Right. 
in, in the polling. And, and now, like I said, like, like there was even states like Texas and Georgia, which were which everybody was talking about as swing states. And now there was polling out of those two states, which suggests that it's starting to go back towards Trump a little bit. It makes sense. I know, like, Georgia, there was a poll out this week that has Trump leading by seven. So you're starting to see movement in, like, those what I call, like, light red states or even right. kind of, like, pink states. Uh-huh. Where it's, like... Right, yeah, so where it's kind of like it leans Trump. It's not like overwhelmingly um, Trump, but I mean, it's a little bit Trump. And right now, that since the race is kind of like stabilizing and, and kind of getting into like a little bit of a natural tightening, there's pink states um, are starting to go pink. And so I would probably put it Ohio and Iowa in that same category. And Iowa Sean, yeah. Similar to Ohio as well, but. I would agree with you on those things. I think Ohio is is kind of a Trump-leaning state. So so with all of that in mind, it's kind of an interesting race, considering that Arizona is where it is and all these other states are where it is. What would you put in, in your list of six? What is the most safe Biden state? What is the most safe, you know, Trump? So Biden's leading in all of them, so I can't say safe Trump. What is the most safe Biden lead in those six states? And what is the most volatile state where we don't really know what's going to happen? In your opinion? In my opinion, I would say, despite what some of the averages show, go mm-hmm. ahead. No, I'm listening to you. You go for it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I would say for Biden, I would say that he probably should feel the best about Michigan at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, even though it has gotten tricky in the last day, maybe it's just my personal like beliefs getting in the way. I'll be curious to see like what the Rick Snyder yes. endorsement of Joe Biden does to that race, mm-hmm. considering like the issues with Flint and and that and, and those issues. But mm-hmm. I mean, Joe Biden was pretty ecstatic, or at least I mean, the people that that support him seem to be pretty ecstatic. I know, like online, that Rick Snyder had endorsed um, Joe Biden, but Michigan right now, I would say. And especially since Trump kind of pulled back a lot of the advertising in Michigan, and Joe Biden was a big part of the the auto bailout, which right. um, helped the Obama Biden ticket back in 2012 when running right. against Mitt Romney. So I mean, so I would say Michigan looks good for Joe Biden, um, and also another state that seems to be pulling away for Joe Biden as well is Wisconsin, but I would still say Michigan. Um, just because of his kind of like roots in Michigan, like with uh, auto bailout and everything. So, North Carolina, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be banking on it if I was a Joe Biden fan. Still, I would say like that's still kind of volatile. I think North Carolina, and it even shows like in the average, it's basically tied in North Carolina. Although there were like a couple of polls that showed Joe Biden ahead, but I would say that would be like, a, that would be, I would. I would be very, I wouldn't be surprised if Biden won it because it is part of the core six, but I mean, right. it's probably the toughest state for him to win, I would, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so now you, I, I heard you mentioned, so North Carolina, which we know, went Obama once, I think, and, and, and that was it. And, and the, the blue wall, which, as they call it, Michigan, Wisconsin, um, Pennsylvania, 
It has, I think Trump won by a very razor thin margin combined in those states, something like 60,000 votes combined. You put Wisconsin and Michigan kind of going towards Biden's, you know, area, and you're still kind of Pennsylvania, not saying it's going Trump, but you're, you held out. That's not the top two. Do you think, what are the odds that, you know, Biden just kind of wins this election by recapturing the Rust Belt? Those northern state, the firewall that Hillary lost. Is that looking like his best chance? And then Florida might be a bonus? Or I want to talk about Florida in a minute, but what do you think of that Rust Belt area? Is that really what he's going for, Biden? I mean, I would, I would say so. I mean, I mean, I think the Biden strategy, like, I mean, it seemed like, like I read an article like a week, or not a week ago, like maybe like a month ago, more, more or less, that he's going to put like a lot of like states kind of in his, and in, in kind of like like his map of states he's like, like going to advertise in. Mm-hmm. But I think his easiest path is definitely the Rust Belt states. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, and the reason like I held up held out with Pennsylvania is because like there's been a lot of different polling out there, which and, and even though I live in Pennsylvania, like I'm kind of not sure what to make of it. All right. There's like been some. Like, there was, like, the Monmouth University poll that was out a couple of days ago that showed that it was just, like, a four-point race or something. But then there was a poll from Quinnipiac out yesterday that showed that Joe Biden was up by closer to eight points right. here in Pennsylvania. So I'm still not sure. I think Pennsylvania is probably going to be the biggest fight between, yes. like, Trump and Biden in these blue wall states um, just because there is a lot of red in Pennsylvania, actually. Like, if you leave Pittsburgh and leave the Philadelphia suburbs, there's a lot of red on that map, and it's basically like like your rural part of the state, which basically a lot of people here call Pennsylvania. Yes, we, we call it that way. Just that. so you know, Sean, in Jersey, we call... We say Pennsylvania is anything aside from Pittsburgh and Philly. Yeah. Anything in between is Pennsylvania. So, so that's a term that I, I'm glad to know that all the way on the west side of Pennsylvania by Pittsburgh, you guys share the same terminology that we do in Jersey. That's kind of funny. <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. That we, we do. Yeah, that's what we call it because that's mm-hmm. basically what it is. It's mostly just rural farmland and mountains and mm-hmm. ranges, and that's kind of like what... <laughs> what like Appalachia is like, yes. going through there. So yes. that's why we use that term. But I mean doesn't so just because like there's so like much out there, like that's what makes the state competitive in Pennsylvania. But I mean but but then you have like the, the inner city Pittsburgh and you have like Philly in the suburbs. And I and I I mean and even with the suburbs of Philly, like it's gonna make it very tough I think for Donald Trump to carry the state. Now, I've been wrong before. Like, I, I thought Hillary Clinton would win Pennsylvania, too, and she did not. So right. Obviously, this is going to be a state that Biden and Trump are going to fight over. But, but I mean, I would say, like, with, if, if, the, if the consensus is right that Donald Trump really hurt himself in the suburbs, I think if the Philly suburbs go the way they did in 2018, which was huge margins for Tom Wolf, our governor, and Bob Casey, our senator, then it's going to, I find it very difficult for Donald Trump to win Pennsylvania, in, in, in my personal opinion. But it's still going to be very close. And I think it could come down to kind of like those rough belt, like 
small cities like Allentown, mm-hmm. Granton, and Erie, mm-hmm. and how they go. That could really determine how Pennsylvania so, goes. And, and, and just because, so, so you're from Pennsylvania, so, so Jersey, interestingly, you know, people think it's you know, just urban or whatever, and it's a northeastern state like yours, but it's obviously much more dense and small, but... Uh, we we really flipped blue. We only had one, I think, one remaining Republican congressman after 2018, except for the guy who just flipped from South Jersey, from Atlantic City area, uh, when the impeachment happened. But, I mean, are you seeing in in your reading of the polls and also just your your basic experience being being somebody from Pennsylvania, are you seeing the suburbs around Pittsburgh and Philly? Are you thinking that they're they're going more Biden, they're going more Democrat to suburbs as opposed to Pennsylvania, or are you seeing it's a toss-up. I mean, what do, what do you see in there? Is it indicative of a, of a Biden kind of surge, those suburbs out there that are swing suburbs? Um, I would say I would say right now, I would say... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It's you. Okay, sorry. It's okay. Um, but I, would, I would say it, it does look more, like, because of the suburbs, like, even the Pittsburgh suburbs do kind of look more like Joe Biden. I'm kind of more in like what they call like the exurbs, which is kind of like kind of beyond the suburbs. Right. I mean, I, I live in a small town and, and there's quite a bit of, I mean, there's, quite, there's a lot of Trump action here, but there's also quite a bit of Biden action. Here. Right. So, I mean, I just find, I just find this state is like a really, really tough for Donald Trump to carry, but I think he is still kind of in the ball game here and like I said it's going to be competitive and and after 2016 it's uh, nobody should take Pennsylvania for granted obviously yes because it was I mean it was very close like Trump won it very close but I mean it's still I mean shouldn't be taken for granted by the Biden campaign and so far like he's run a better um, campaign in that sense where he is running more ads here and like he did have a few events, like he did go to Scranton not too long ago, and then he went to Pittsburgh just the other day. So he's right. been in Pennsylvania, but so has Trump. So right, right. It's kind of like that, but and I know like down in the Pittsburgh suburbs, like in 2018, like the 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 one suburban district flipped flipped, and it was the very um, famous one in the national media, um, Connor Lamb. Yes, he yes. The district. Well, he won. Another district before, and then they kind of redistricted everything after our mm-hmm. redistricting mm-hmm. was declared unconstitutional. So that's when we had like new districting maps, and Connor Lamb won that seat um, in 2018, and he, he's still doing pretty well, I think, in that district. It's like in Beaver County, which is just the North Pittsburgh suburbs. So he's so I would say still that I mean that's why I think it's just difficult for Trump to win Pennsylvania this time this, this time around but I mean we'll see that's that interesting that's interesting so now now, Connor Lamb's district, I just want to, before I pivot, because I have another question for you, but just because you're on the ground out there in that exurb uh, Pittsburgh area, and obviously the exurbs in Pittsburgh are a little different than here because Pittsburgh's smaller, so the exurbs are probably closer to Pittsburgh than we consider exurbs out in Jersey from New York, but... What was Connor Lamb's district like? I mean, what is that district? Is that suburban? Is it suburban slash rural? I mean, just to get an idea of nationally what we're looking at, because Connor Lamb won that. What are we looking at with these suburbs? Are they like quasi-rural suburban districts that that Biden has a foothold in? I mean, what is that district looking like? Well, well, in the case of 
Turner Lands District, it's more or less, it is mostly suburban. It, it goes a little exurban. Right. A little bit towards the exurban. Not much, though. Like, Turner Lands District is mostly Pittsburgh suburbs. Mm-hmm. It includes, like, like working-class towns like yes. Aliquippen and Cambridge, if you've ever heard of them. Like yeah, I've been out to Pittsburgh, too. I know the area. Yeah. Up there in Beaver County. So. Yeah. Okay. So those suburbs are up for grabs, and they they kind of flipped in the house race, which is what I've been saying from day one that I think would be beneficial to Biden. Now, let me ask you this. The fact that so, – so Florida – I want to talk to you about two states and, and go off whichever way you seem fit, you deem fit. Florida, to me, is like a true toss-up, always has been, always will be. The fact that if Trump doesn't win that, I think he's done regardless. So Florida is one thing. And then Arizona, which we usually consider kind of a a red state, looking like you're saying it's one of the strongest Biden swing states. How does Arizona and Florida kind of factor into this overall race now? Because we're talking about the Rust Belt, which is one thing. I mean, does the fact that we're already looking at the Rust Belt as good for Biden plus the prospect of Arizona plus maybe Florida, does it make Biden's position pretty strong? I mean, what is your take on those states? I mean, Biden's um, position is pretty strong just because Trump hasn't been really able to, like, quit, like, any, like, really, like, blue states into play. And obviously Arizona and Florida are more or less, well, well Florida's really close all, all the time. Florida right. actually is interesting because it seems like statewide, like, every single time when there's, like, a race for governor, race for senator – race for president it's always always comes down to like one percent in florida like that is i mean it sure it goes republican usually but it's like it's that close in florida and there's like so many different demographic groups in florida mm-hmm. that really makes like florida mm-hmm. so so close every single time that is a very true tossed up state mm-hmm. even though it does go republican yes um Ari- i mean arizona like that that is Interesting. I think that's why Biden's position is strong is because he is making a play into that state. And I think the thing to to recognize about Florida and Arizona this year is these are two states that were really hit hard with the with the COVID nineteen. Yes. And I do wonder if the COVID nineteen and and how people perceive Trump has handled it, if that's really been the driving force that's kind of mm-hmm. tipped, tipped those states towards Biden a little bit. Mm-hmm. So now, Sean, so do you think, so say Biden wins Arizona, I mean, does that, does that change the dynamics of the election, of the electoral college? I mean, if, if Biden's got Arizona in his pocket, not saying he does, but say he does, I mean, you're saying it's a strong place for him right now, based on the polling. Does that change? I mean, does he have more wiggle room? He must, right? Because now he could lose like a Wisconsin, right? Um, or or maybe even a Michigan. I'm not sure. Like I'd have to do the math. It would be really really like tight. Like if he lost like, but I mean Michigan's obviously the strongest. But, right. I mean, but he could lose Wisconsin and pick up Arizona if if that happens. And obviously you are absolutely 100 percent correct with Florida. And considering, like, Trump has a home down in Florida and mm-hmm. is voting in Florida, like, he even knows, like, if he loses Florida, he is absolutely done. There's, I don't see a path. Like, Florida is Trump's must-win state. 
the same way I would say for Biden, I would I would still say Pennsylvania is his must-win state just because it's 20 electoral votes. Makes sense. I think it's going to be really tough for Biden if he can't win Pennsylvania. Like then he would have to magically like win like in some of these other like states. And usually like like if they're not winning their must-win state, it's usually a pretty bad night. Makes sense. That party, so that, that's why I say that. So would you say that Florida's Trump's was, must win and Pennsylvania's Biden's must win? Would you say that? That's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I think I think Trump absolutely has to have Florida. If he does not have Florida, then he's going to be in a lot of trouble, I would say. I'd say he's done. And I'd say pretty close to the same for Joe Biden. I would say he would have to. I think Pennsylvania... I mean, just because it has so many electoral college votes, um, I think he needs it. So I, I mean, especially as I, I do think this is going to tighten. And remember what I said about, like, North Carolina. I'm not really, like, I wouldn't be too optimistic about it if I was, like, the Biden people. Right. Okay. So, Sean, so now... We're gonna pivot off. We're gonna get off. But here's the thing: we're gonna we're gonna have you back on over and over. And I want you to understand something. You've been a guy that I've talked to and confided in with political issues for many years now. I think I started one of the podcasts years ago, and you were always there. So you're gonna be a regular on the show. So you can always change your opinion later. I think the people that listen are gonna take what you say pretty seriously. But you always can evolve, and they're gonna kind of look to you for advice. As of right now, and you'll have a chance to go back and change as things change. As of right now, who do you think wins the election? I mean, what's your prediction as of right now? As of, as of now, I would say I would probably say Joe Biden would, is probably the is the favorite. And I do caution like this is going to be a weird year just because of COVID and uh-huh. it's going to be a lot of mail-in ballots and it's. I mean, you have the issue of the postal service, so there's going to be a lot of issues in the play here that kind of that kind of make it hard to predict. But if you if you had to put me in the spot, um, I would say Joe Biden would win. I think he would probably get close to like 300 electoral votes, quite honestly. Wow. So I do wow. think he'll win Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin at this point in the game. And I I do I am pretty confident that he would carry. Arizona in in Florida at this point in time just because of the of the issues with COVID nineteen. I don't think he would win more than that, but I do think he's probably in a pretty good place right now, I would say. Okay. That, that's all right. So that's your prediction as of now, or it's gonna all it could change, it could not as the weeks go on. Sean. It was very engaging. The plays, the people listening went up while you were on. So obviously people like what you're saying. So we are going to talk to you again very soon. We appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on, brother. Uh, Thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. No problem. All right, Sean, we'll talk to you soon, brother. We'll, We'll hear from you in the next coming weeks. Have a good night, and I hope all is well with you, bro. Have a good Labor Day weekend. All right, you too. Thank you so much. Bye, Sean. So that was Sean. Sean Sean has always been, he's really been, honestly, and I've known him for years, he's been a very good, intelligent person who contributes. And and, and I'm not going to get into his hustle because I'll have Sean on at a certain time to get into his own hustle. Um, His hustle's dope. He's a dude who has things that he's working with and he's a creative dude. 
and he's an intelligent dude, and uh, he's he's decided to find a different path from what might have been laid out initially, and that's the same as me. And he's been a very, very good contributor for a very long time. And he's a type of dude out in Pittsburgh area in the exurbs of Pittsburgh that, you know, I like to incorporate because the the podcast needs to be, you know, Jersey's cool and we got a lot of Jersey people on here, but we need the different like Arizona, Rick out in the west of the coast and 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 Sean out in Pittsburgh. The show is us, right? So when people listen to the show from outside of our little area, outside our little social dynamic, they don't know who's who. They like the different people involved. So Sean is another person that I want to get involved more and more and more, who I think is a super good addition to the things that we talk about, that I talk about. He's a dope dude. And what I'm going to do soon is I'm going to have an email where you guys could email questions and whatnot. And I want to get it to a point where you could ask Sean a question. Ask me a question. You want to ask a question about polling, you ask Sean. You want to ask a question about social stuff, you ask me, et cetera, et cetera. And kind of we'll build from there. So I'm, I'm glad that Sean was able to come on and give us insight into the election. Because I think what I want to do is have Sean on, you know, periodically going up to the election. Because he really has a good grasp on the polls. And he knows what's up. Um... So so that's, that's where we are with that. And, and I think that's interesting. So make sure you understand where the polls are at so we know the election's going. Now, that all being said, I am on a, a, a show called The Partisan Podcast. It's a YouTube show. And the other individual I want to have on tonight is an individual named D-Rock Paban. And I'm going to put him on now. You're on the air, D. Is that D? How the tables have turned, bro. Two days ago, you were a guest on my show. Yes. And now here I am. So listen. So let me just introduce D. Now D is a dude. So you, you, if you don't know now, you know. Again, to quote my dude, listen. I was in the hip hop game, whatever, and and in Jersey and this and that, and and D Rock over here was always a, a very advantageous person who's involved in the hip hop scene, this and that. He's also a talented individual who does different audio visual things. Anyway, he started a channel. I'm gonna let him talk about it. But if you haven't checked out the Partisan Podcast, which most of you have, he is the host of the Partisan Podcast. So he has a special announcement tonight. That's why I brought him on, and I'm gonna let him tell it because it's his show. D, what's up? What you got to say? Yes. I just, I just, I just wanted to say that today is probably the first day that I've, I've felt completely hyped about this election. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. You, you know, listen, man. You, you, you know, a couple of days ago we were talking about. You know how I felt like Biden needed to go on the offense. Biden needed to go on the offense. Yes. He to, man, today was that day. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What a what a, what a stellar performance that was. So though, talk to me about it, cause bro, I've been all day with this caddy problem. Whatever. What what? Tell me about what you thought about Biden today. He was just fantastic, man. He came off he came off presidential first and foremost. He just came off as presidential. Mm-hmm. He, he he showed he showed restraint. Mm-hmm. He showed empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, for mm-hmm. He showed you know saying like he showed how proud he is of our veterans. Yes. And, you know, of course, his, his son being one who, who, you know, passed away in both. So it, it was just, it, it, it was just every, and you know what, the fact that he came out like a, like an old school pugilist, man, he came out fighting and Hell yeah. was not afraid to, was not afraid to call Trump a fraud. 
Yes. So it's not afraid to call Barr a lousy, a lousy uh, attorney? Yes. I mean, it, was just, it, was all, it was all well packaged, man. Word. And D, as an American who's like, a, you know, you embrace the the entrepreneurship, but you think we need change here because you're you're more on the left, and you're you're a, you're a patriot who wants to see change and do the right thing. I mean, how'd that make you feel, right? Was that speaking more to your soul than Trump does? Oh, dude, definitely, man, definitely. I mean, listen, man, it, 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 the things that this guy does day in and day out, it's just straight deplorable. Mm -hmm. I don't think I, I don't care what spectrum of the political I don't care what part of this political spectrum you're in I just don't understand how you can agree with all the things that this guy does I mean the yes. lies the constant lies whether you get to the right or to the left or the center I just don't how do you how do you like just just accept being lied to all the time you know yes Yes, yes. Like, as an American, you're like, yo, you could say whatever position you want, but you're just, all you're doing is flat out lying. Why are you even, what am I supposed to do with you when you flat out lie? Like, give me some position I can at least analyze. Exactly, exactly. But listen, man, Biden, spectacular performance. I mean, you know, that's the more performance because it was genuine. Yes. But it was what it was what he needed to do and he did it and he did it well so now d since the tables have turned let me put you over here now let me ask you a question sir as an american voter okay and as an intellectual that we know now biden yo so so now Having seen Biden, you supported him because you're a left of center person, you don't like Trump, whatever. Did this, is this kind of the, one of the, not the first time, I don't want to disparage Biden, but is this kind of the time where like, despite some of his pandering, despite some of his talking points, did you really feel his soul today when, when he was talking about patriotism and soldiers? I mean, did it come through more genuinely than it has in the past for you? Mm -hmm. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't something that he, you know, thought. You know, it's like, well, I got to do this. You know, let me let me do it this way. No, this was genuine Joe Biden. You know what I'm saying? And and and, and uh, it, it was just yeah, you felt it, man. I felt it. You know. Yes. And 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 this is what I was. This is what I was searching for. You know, because you know, you know how I've been feeling about the election. Yes. I, you know, I, I'm one of those skeptics. Yes. That, you know, oh man, you know, Trump, Trump, you know, my love, Trump's gonna win this, right? Yes. But. I think today the way he came out fighting is what was incredible, and I just, I just hope it just continues. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like I told you, he needs to come out and just start wailing on him. You know what I'm saying? And just, yeah, why not? Just, just, just put the nail in the coffin, you know? Yes. I agree, bro. I agree. 100% agree with that. 100% agree. I'm glad you pumped up. I like that. You're not, not going to get an easier candidate than Trump. He does it to himself. Right. <laughs> Right, he does. He does to himself. All you gotta do is pluck his ass and hit him hard in the face, and you do you do well, right? It's not exactly. It's not hard, man. It's not hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So D. But yeah, I, I, I definitely felt Biden, man. Today it was all it was all genuine and it was all good. That's dope, and I'm glad I'm glad you're feeling pumped up because now we had the polling numbers from Sean, so the polling's looking all right. Even though me and you were in Jersey, yeah. so it doesn't mean much. You have some roots in in Pennsylvania, though, don't you? Like in Philly? Yeah. Well, 
Yes. Yes. And, and I, I think Pennsylvania uh, is one of those states where if, if it goes, uh, you know, it's one of the ones that are always one of the first ones to come out. Yes. Uh, with the results. And yes. And if that goes to Trump, man, that, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to shut the TV off. Real talk, because that's, that's what Sean said, too. I really don't want to watch the rest of it. And that's what Sean said. He said Pennsylvania's Biden's failsafe, you know, and, and, and uh, Florida is Trump's. Now, let me ask you this. Before we talk about what's going on with, with our media shit, let me ask you this question, because you were in Frilly for a long time. So this is an important question. I think everybody, especially Jersey Cats, and you already probably schooled a lot of us, but whatever. And I know you were Jersey Cat, too, but I'm saying, what is the best... You already know I'm going to ask you. Best yeah. cheesesteak in Philly. And don't tell me no tourist spot unless you think the tourist spot wins. What's the best uh, cheesesteak? Listen, listen. I, got two, I got two spots. One that's kind of well-known and one that's very obscure. Okay. Um, I, but but my, first, my first, the one people will know is Tony Luke's. I love Tony, Tony Luke's. Luke's. Yes, yes, with the sharp probe, right? Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, it has to be. Now, now there's this other spot. It's like a hole in the wall. Now, mind you, the best cheesesteaks are always the hole in the wall. Agree. Yes. They're, they're, they're all over Philly. They're, the hole in the walls are, are your, always your best cheesesteak. There's yep. this one spot, though, that I just truly, I totally live by, and I tell everybody, you know, it's and it's, it's in the Mayfair area right off of the boulevard. Uh, I want to say right off of Harveston. Uh, on Frankfurt is actually on Frankfurt Avenue. It's called Goody's Pizzeria. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you, you go to Goodies and get a, and get a, and get a cheesesteak with whiz and, and fried onions, it'll change your life. All right, so hold on now, because my father's listening, and he's, a, he's all about the cheesesteak with the whiz. So it's, yeah. say one more time, the street and the name, because we're going to go now soon. So, yes, yeah, yeah, so, so it's Goodies, Goodies on Frankfurt Avenue, it's right off of Harbison. Uh-huh. Boulevard, not too far from the boulevard. Uh-huh. Okay, and that's the spot. Cause I'm I'm gonna go there with him now. That that sounds good, dude. Cause that's the insight I needed. Cause get the wings. If you're there, get the wings as well. The wings too? Okay, cool. Yes. Cool. You gotta you gotta have the buffalo wings to compliment. <laughs> I, bro, I love it. No, hell yeah. That's what I'm saying. Cause you you know you go to Geno's and Pat's and it's touristy and everybody's there. Not that they're bad, but they are what they are. Tony Luke's I always went to. I want to go to that spot now because I want to actually taste like the authentic hole in the wall spot, which is probably the best as it always is, which makes sense. Yeah, it is. Listen, people say Pat's. You know, listen, that's just for people that went to go visit the Rocky statue. Come on. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> All right, bro. So listen. So tell me about, so you recently started a media endeavor, and I want you to tell the people about that endeavor. Like, what's, what do you got going on right now with media and shit? What do you got going on on YouTube and whatnot? Yeah, so, so the channel's called uh, D-Rock Productions. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, I started it as like a kind of like a pet project, right? I, I'm, I'm trying to like uh, increase, I'm in AV, you know that, I'm in audiovisual and all that. I'm trying to increase my, I was trying to increase my skills in editing and production and so this is kind of like a you know uh, you know learning as I go type thing. Yes. But uh, I wanted I wanted to touch on you know the things that are very important to me, which is hip hop, mm-hmm. politics, and of course sports. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Why can't I combine all three right into mm-hmm. one channel and just and just you know and, and and just you know bring out bring some of the most you know uh, knowledgeable, talented people to help me out with it. And, yes. Uh, and yeah, that, that's that's what it's basically what it is, man. You know, I, I ran a blog for many years, as you know. 
Yes. And, you know what I'm yes. That, that got kind of things got kind of hectic, so I let that go. So mm-hmm. I just figured like this is a, like an extension of that. Yes. So that's why I started, you know, B Rock Productions, and of course with the Partisan Podcast, you know, that's one of the uh, one of the features on that channel. So now, and talking about your whole your whole channel, D Rock Productions. So you're saying the three pillars are like hip hop, politics, and sports. And now I think a lot of men in this country, you know, and women too, but but I think a lot of us, right, we may stray, we may say, well, we can't bring up politics with this crew. We can't bring up sports with this crew. You're trying to combine the three. Like, yo, we're going to have conversation about the three things we care about, hip-hop, sports, and politics. And and, and of course, and listen, in in, in every aspect of it, there's there's always two different voices, right? There's two different sides, right? Right. And and what I'm trying to do is try to bring back... The, the respectable debate, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to bring back where where where, where you like I, I could be I could look at things one way, you know, somebody else could look at it another way, but we, we could come together and talk about it, right? Let's yes. talk about it. Let's sit down, let's be let, let's talk about it in a in a casual manner. Yes. And and just and just and just let's let's, let's talk about our differences and, and see if we could come to a consensus uh, you know, somewhere in the middle. Yes. So that, 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 that's my whole mission on that, you know? Yes. Um so uh, I, I just wish that would come back. You know, we're so we're so divided, we're so it's the thing, everything is so polarized that it's just it's you know, I I am I'm, I'm trying to contribute in my way to, to to bring some of that uh, you know, that 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 just that respect that being able to discuss things, you know. Even yes, if you don't yes. With that person. Yes. So you're saying whether you were talking about sports, whether we're talking about politics, whether we're talking about hip hop, you want the dialogue. You're trying to bring the dialogue out, and you're trying to combine those things. And, and D, I got to be real with you. Yeah. I think a lot of guys, especially in our generation, you know, 30 to 40 to, to plus, you know, we're all kind of in that boat. Like we we care about those three things. We kind of were our development as young men was forged on those three things like no matter what where you were especially if you're in the northeast or wherever you were you kind of grew up on hip-hop sports and politics and it sounds crazy but it's true and you know hip-hop could be a catalyst i feel you know to these other things right i think there's a lot of people that we rock with that we might have met through hip-hop right like the reason i probably know you through hip-hop through krills and them that's probably how i know you but like We've yet yeah, bridged yeah, a gap beyond that with politics, and we could continue to forge that, you know, relationship going forward, and that's dope. And I think your channel, which what's your channel is D dash. Tell me the the text of it. So it was D, yeah, so D dash R O K, and of mm-hmm. course productions. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, yeah. So so you know people could go on there subscribe if they're you know. And listen, man, I appreciate. Uh, I'm looking forward to this partnership. Um, you know, having you the second time, it, it just, it was just, it had to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. You know, uh, just having you on, man, uh, being able to discuss these things uh, in a video format is just, uh, I think it's, it's a great, it's a great endeavor, endeavor. so so I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're on board and you decided you wanted to do it. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to all the great things that we could, you know, come, you know, produce. It's dope. Um, so, the channel, you know, as well as your podcast as well, you know. Yes. So, so me and D, I mean, the partisan podcast, which a lot of you have listened to, I mean, that's going to be a, a full time thing now. So, me and D are gonna are gonna continue to host the partisan podcast and kind of just riff about the different things going on in the in the country and in the world on a on a weekly basis, and it will be a kind of 
you know, how long you think, D, like half hour to 45 minutes type thing? Like, Yes. I'm looking at it as a precursor to your podcast, you know? Yes. You touch on things that you're gonna, you might go in depth uh, on, on your podcast here, and, you know, it's just a little, a little highlight, you know? Yes. Preview, a little yes. preview uh, episodes that we'll do, you know? Yes. So, so we're going to be on the Partisan Podcast going forward. It's going to be dope. And it's going to be me and D talking about the different political issues. Most of you have seen it. If you haven't seen it yet, go check out my Facebook. I'll post it again tonight. Check out D's Facebook. We'll post it again tonight of the Partisan Podcast. It's a YouTube video that we do. We're going to start doing probably bi-weekly. We'll start doing it with different, you know, we talk about the different political issues of the day. It's video, not audio, so you could actually see us. Um, and then and then that's the partisan thing. But aside from that, he's got a lot of different hip hop groups on there that you would probably dig if you if you check them out. He's got different commentary about politics. He's got all these different things that anybody who's an eclectic dude would get down with. So I think it's an important thing to kind of check out. So check out D Rock Productions and check out the Partisan Podcast because now we're gonna be kind of full time on that front and that's dope. Definitely looking forward right, to that. Uh, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's anybody that wants to reach out and contact me and want to talk about maybe just coming on and sharing yes. as well, more more than welcome. You know what I'm saying? We can we can we can work. But I'm, I, I I just want to have an open door to anybody that wants to share their views. They see something on the channel they disagree with and want to come on and discuss it. Please, more 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 than welcome. You know that's, yes. that's what the channel is about. Uh, you know, debate. And just, you know, just bring, you know, bringing back the discussion, the dialogue, like you said, you know? Yes, 100%. So, D, that's dope. I mean, anything else you want to want to discuss while we're on the air here? No, listen, man. All I got to say is that you do make the better guest and host. So I'm glad you're a part of the team, you know? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Bro, I'm excited about it. I'm excited you got to come on and be interviewed by me because your insight was dope. So I'm glad you came on and talked about it. the last few weeks and and really that's what inspires me to to, to you know to touch on these topics because you know beforehand I, I just didn't want to deal with it because it just the things have gotten so toxic yes 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 you know what I'm saying? i think that there's still a way to find our way back to uh you know just just having a, just a respectable conversation even though you don't share the same views you know yes agreed and this podcast is facilitated because you see d and you know me and you we disagree sometimes but like we always keep the conversation. I think this podcast shows that, like, yo, if you call in here, you want to be a part of the conversation, we're just going to have a legit, intelligent conversation, and point for point, we ain't going to get mad, like, you know? Right? Yeah, no, of course not, man. No, that's the whole point. And, and, and I'm glad that, you know, we have, we have the, ability to, the ability to do that with your, you know, with, with, with you with the podcast and, and on my end with the video, and, and we just get to work on it, you know what I'm saying, and change, you know, Hopefully, change some minds, and, and and not so much change your political views, but at least changing the fact that you know let's 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 show respect for each other, regardless of what we believe in politi- politically. Yes, agree. We're still all Americans. We're still all brothers and sisters, and you know we we have to bring that respect back, man. Yes, it's, truth. You, you truth. Know, I, I just want to see that respect come back. Truth, and it'll it'll help us get where we want to go if we have that respect. So I agree with you there too. Yes. But, uh, listen, I like, thank you so much for having me on, man. It was, it's, it, you know, I, I, I get to say that I was on the Logic and Lane podcast. Hell yeah, bro, you're coming back on now because we're gonna just be cross doing this shit all the time, and you were a dope guest, so you're coming back. So just hope you know you're coming back. You need to have me on with Rick. 
I want to have a nice. I, I, I've been watching ever since just commenting back and forth with him on Facebook. Uh, uh, I, we got to have him on somehow. I know he's kind of shy or sheepish about coming on, but we got to get him on. So you want Rick on the Partisan Podcast? I don't know if it's Rick's listening, but we got to get you on, bro. Yo, so Rick's got to come on the Partisan Podcast on video, right? All right, we're going to do that. We're going to set that up. I bet Rick's going to call tonight, too. We're going to set that up. D, I love you. I'm going to see you in a little bit. And and all the listeners, that's D. You already know him. Subscribe to the Partisan Podcast. Subscribe to D-Rock Productions. And, and you know, that's my man. So we're just we're on that. I'm official co-host with him there, and we're going to get it popping. So. Good, good, things, good things for us in the future, man. Thanks for having me on, bro. Yeah, brother. All right, talk to you soon. All right, bye. All right, who's calling me? Who was, whoever was just calling me, call back. All right, we got we to gotta call it right here. Who we got on the air right now? It's the return of the smooth. Oh! Yes, I'm back. <laughs> Bro, how are you going to... I love that. It's the return of the smooth. Yes, yes, I'm back. Bro, Deeds, that's a, one of the best intros I've ever heard. Uh, we missed you on this cast. We are glad to have you back, sir. What is up, Deedsy? Not a whole lot, good sir. Just uh, sweating my balls off down here in... Uh in the quote-unquote great state of Texas. So, so, and you are again, this is DD. I ain't going to call you Deeds from Dallas, but you and Deeds in the, the general Dallas area, which not necessarily voluntarily, but that's where you are, right? Yes. That's All right. Where I, that has been my location for the past. Uh, I've lost track of time at this point. I've been down here a while now. <laughs> right. So what's up, Deeds? What's on your mind? How is it? You say it's hot. Is it? Is it super hot? Is it hotter than it is up here? What's, what's the deal? Damn, DZ, that's beat. So that's part of the reason why it's, uh, it's a little extra hot in my car. Makes but, uh, sense. No, just, uh, just been hanging, man. Just been hanging. So what, what's on your mind, DZ? You, you, you and I had oh, talked yeah. this week about things. Is there anything on your mind? Perhaps combine sports with the political talk if you want to go that route. I don't know. This week, was there something on your mind re- regarding sports that you wanted to talk about? Because I thought you brought something up to me that I think was interesting. Right. So as a listener, though, like, cause you're uh, you're a sports dude. We already know that, right? But you're you're a multifaceted dude, like I am. So, do yeah. you think he was just as a listener of his? Not saying you know what's in his head, but do you think that was done more to, to kind of capitalize on the sentiments now to get ratings up? Do you think he really believed it, based on just what you've heard from Stephen A. What what was your take Regard- on? Regardless of whatever, I feel like it was poor choice. If he actually feels that, if he if he feels 
if he feels that way, if he actually feels that way, okay. I mean, I'm not going to change his mind. I don't know enough information about everything. About every. I mean, look, I'm one of the last people to to say that I know the ins and outs in the history of basketball, but I do right. know that Steve Nash is a Hall of Fame player. I do know that he was one of the uh, one of the point guards of the game that really understood the game and the X's and O's and the ins and outs. So it wasn't a surprise to me that when I heard that he got a head coaching job, I don't care how long that he's been out of the game. You know, you just don't right. lose that, especially someone who's the, the player and caliber of Steve Nash. Right. I just, like, if he really felt that way, like, again, I just, I feel like it was just, I, I don't know. I, if, he, if he feels, if he actually feels that way, fine. If he doesn't actually feel that, feel that way and he's just trying to get rating, that's just irresponsible. And that's just. Right. That makes sense. That, that makes that sense. Just, right. That just, makes me, that just makes me sad. Do you think people do that, like, in the sports world? Like, And I'm not trying to put you on a spot on race. I'm not. I just, I kind of agree with you. I, I do agree with you in the sense that. Yes, Derek Fisher got a job. Other people get a job. And it may be star privilege. Or maybe just, you know, you're a guard who knows the system and you think you could implement it. And I heard rumors that Kevin Durant wanted Nash. And, and Durant's going to drive the bus. So, so it had nothing to do with race. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's what I heard, too. I heard that uh, a lot this morning that Kevin Durant, like, they sat down however long ago or whatever. And ever, after that, Durant was like, this is who I want. Yes, right. So, so, so people like Stephen A, who are people we listen to about sports, even that that race. I'm not saying race isn't prevalent, Deedzy, but what I'm saying is like, does perhaps it bleed into literally every industry now and just become like a hustle, where if you mention race, it becomes a hot button issue, which generates clicks, which generates controversy, which generates listens, which people are just capitalizing on now, and that seems to be a good example of that, in my opinion. I don't disagree with you. Uh, I know stuff. I mean, stuff like that has been done for decades on television and radio. You know, pressing hot button, hot button, hot button topics right. to get ratings. Right. I just feel that, especially in today's political climate, and especially because it's a sports show. Right. I mean, I, I, again, if he actually feels that way, then he actually feels that way. But if that was a rate, like if that's just a, a ratings ploy, or just you know, to add to the this Stephen A. Smith brand or whatever, like, I feel like that was poor. Like, come on, he knows better. Agreed. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's the one thing. It's like, you know better. Like, if this was uh, that dude Birdman from years ago on the on the Cavaliers with LeBron, the, the, the white dude. Yeah, remember that cat? Yeah, yeah, remember that cat? Yeah, yeah, I remember him. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to think of, like, a random white dude, you know, like, if, if he out of nowhere, because he's been out of the game longer, if he out of nowhere just got a head coaching job, Yes, yes. So at the end of the day, look, Rivers. <laughs> D, D, 
concedes. We agree on race shit, but the, some of this shit goes so far that it's just like, come on, stop. Can we, like, you almost want to give props to Nash, props to Fisher, props to everybody. Just say, yo, can we just be rocking in the basketball community without talking about race all day? Because if there's any place that race should be to the side a little bit, even, you could talk shit about it like in the Bird documentary it was out there, like, yo, race was a thing. But the ball players on the court and the coaches on the court should just kind of put it aside. They all know they're just ball players, and Durant wanted them. Shouldn't be that be one of the places we kind of we could protest on the court? Neil, I support it. Like, speak out, I support it. But, like, with the coaches and players, does Stephen A have to make a mockery of it? I agree with you. Basketball is a sanctity type thing where race is kind of, we rock with race. We might talk shit on the court, but we're all in the game together. I mean, at least that's how I feel, and that's why I feel like the popularity of the sport of the sport of basketball has has grown exponentially over the past couple of years, especially mm-hmm. with just like the political climate and whatnot. Everyone's just like, oh, they're at, they're progressive. They know what's up. They're at the forefront. This yes. Is, and especially you know when when you know football owners and whatnot will take two steps backwards. You know, you got yes. basketball who's just like, no, we we're. We're over here. We're gonna. We want to try to be on the right side of this at the right time. Yes. Instead of trying to play catch up and trying to backpedal and whatnot. Yes. Yes. It makes sense. It makes sense, bro. So, I mean, Deedzy, I'm with you on that. I actually posted about that because you pointed it out to me. I researched it and I saw like Yahoo Sports try to pick up the story on the race thing too. And a lot of people in the comments were actually dissing Yahoo Sports for even picking it up, which I was happy about. But it's like, I. I I got to think Stephen A is an intelligent broadcaster who kind of was trying to stoke flames to try to get ratings. I hate to say it, but if, if unless he says otherwise, there's no real precedent for him to say something like that because he knows the game. He knows who's the coach. So why would he say that? And that's a shame because I just feel like, DZ, people are just going that way no matter what now to try to get ratings. And it's, it's just... It's actually undermining the actual race conversations we need to have in this country and actually causing division where we should just be rocking with each other. And that's a problem, you know? Exactly. And I mean, granted, oh, that was kind of loud. Granted, you know, what the fuck do I know? Uh, I'm a a white dude who lives in partial suburbia. Right. But I mean, I feel, you know, like if... I just that that specific instance, and I can really only talk about this specific instance. It's just the white privilege, Steve. Come on. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. No. Actually, he had to ball. He had to ball his ass off like, as a white boy with long. It, it, D- yeah. But Deezy. Points the conversation away. Right, just especially Steve Nash, who had to ball his ass off with some long brown hair and like lanky ass, dorky ass white boy, just fucking ball out. That's like the antithesis of white. Yeah, yeah right, <laughs> right, right. So he had to ball not only twice as hard because he's white. If we want to go that direction, but like three, four times as hard because he's Canadian as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that that makes him whiter. Like I feel like being Canadian makes you that much more like white. Like in the basketball realm, and by the way, I played basketball my whole life, so I'm a swaggy basketball guy. So for lack of a better term, if you a Canadian white boy, like you're already getting dissed, like from jump. So let's be real, you know. He had to work his ass off for that, right? So deeds aside from that shit, how's it going in Texas? With I want to ask you about COVID because COVID's like subsiding, I guess nationally in Jersey. It's like. Some people are still terrified of it, you know, but but in reality, Jersey's like so low. 
How's it going in your area, which is the, the general Dallas area, Dallas, Texas area, with COVID? How's that going? Is it still a thing? Does anybody care? Is it? You know, I don't know. It feels like I. It feels like, uh, at least for me, some kind of like weird twilight. Because I, I had to stop paying attention for a while just mm-hmm. because I felt like I couldn't get. I wasn't getting any accurate reads other than like the national reads, mm-hmm. and then just the, the cases started going up, which is what I expected. And mm-hmm. It it stuff over here. It's I, I think because it's. Like I said, it's kind of like I'm in my own twilight zone because me and my my family we're kind of doing our own thing. Like we we still haven't gone out to restaurants or anything like that. We'll go shopping or whatnot, but we're still just not comfortable. Right. You know, going to a restaurant or going to the movies, which I'm pretty sure they've been they might have been open down here for a while. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of just you know I'm we're just waiting for everything to subside. I mean, at all my at both my jobs that we're still in. COVID protocols with masks and hand sanitizer and gloves and social distancing and all that stuff. So Makes I, sense. I've kind of just been on autopilot about it, honestly, because, I mean, it's it's kind of like a – I don't want to say it's hit or miss down here because I feel like a lot a lot of pe- a lot more people uh, have been wearing masks, but I almost feel like it's kind of just like almost out of necessity because a lot of places down here are just like you're not coming in without one. Yeah, it makes – yeah, here too, yeah. Yeah, so it becomes like a, a way of life, and, and I guess you're saying like, you've already avoided a lot of that shit, so you've just continued to avoid it, and you've kind of just been living life in COVID in the COVID reality. Yeah, essentially. I mean, that's what I'm doing. I mean, I feel like I, I feel like some of the people down here, it, it, I think some of them are still trying to fight it. Right. You know, you'll see. You'll, you'll, you'll see a certain type of people or persons walking around, you know, without masks, and, like, they'll walk up to a 7-Eleven, and then, like, they'll walk in, and then they'll make a face, and they'll stomp out, and they'll unfold their mask out of their pocket, <laughs> right, and they'll put right, it on their face. Right, right. That's interesting. And it's just, like, so, which is how it's going today. Just wear your fucking mask. Agreed with that too. My father was in the the butcher today in North Jersey, and you know, uh, some guy took his mask off, and he's like, "My father retreated to the end of the butcher because he was scared of COVID." And he's like, "I want to punch a guy in the face." I'm like, "Dad, relax. He's got to put his mask on, but relax." But, DJ, let me ask you this: You got the little one, right? You got the little one. I mean, what's going on with schools in Texas? Because Jersey was supposed to be open with the option, but now they pretty much switched to almost all vert. Because once Newark did it, so it was like. Well, the state is going to have the option, right? But then once Newark was like, we're going virtual, it's the biggest district in the state, then a lot of people were like, all right, we're going virtual. Some districts, though, that are more, you know, that want their kids to go to school, they they're still have a hybrid system. What's going on with the little one with school? So, um, at least with um, uh, with the district, the school district that we, um, that we live in, mm-hmm. um, we started this was the i think this is the third week so we started we started a couple weeks ago um they're doing uh remote learning for jesus i heard that what the hell was that was that Uh, texas driver deeds wait was that texas drivers like you've been telling us about because i heard like some tire skids and then just you say exclaim the the non-white prophet's name and i don't know what happened just now so no, no, essentially what you heard, and especially what, what I know I've said about pickup trucks, is um, that was one of my coworkers just peeling through the parking lot to get back to the to get back to the store. That's and, epic. Yeah, he's just in a he's in a big he's in a big Chevy pickup and just tires 
squealing and everything. <laughs> so yeah, that was essentially uh, you heard it. <laughs> I heard Texas. I heard Texas in all its glory. It, it, it pretty much looked like what you what you heard. <laughs> but um, okay. so going back, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So we started a couple weeks ago. They're doing remote learning. Okay. Um, um, it was for the first couple weeks, and then. Um, like in the second week, there was a vote, and they voted to extend it to like the end of September. Okay. Um, and I think they're kind of just like, if I remember, because um, um, my my fiance is a is a school teacher. Yes. Yes. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, when she was uh, listening to the uh, or watching the uh, the voting. They said that in like another couple of weeks, uh, they have the option to come back and see if it needs to be extended. So I, uh, her district has been good with kind of just trying to be progressive about everything mm -hmm. and and trying to think safety first. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the same with, uh, in uh, surrounding districts, and I don't know the exacts of surrounding districts. I just know like a couple other people that I work with, like. Their kids are back, and like um, uh, some people are doing like uh, on-off, uh, where like uh, some kids will go to school like uh, Monday, Wednesday, and yes. then uh, Tuesday, Thursday they'll remote learn, and then everybody remote learns on Friday, and then it's the opposite. The um, Monday, Wednesday kids will remote learn, and then they'll go to school Tuesday, Thursday, and then Friday everybody remote learns. Makes sense. Yeah, uh, so they're rotating. They rotate their remote learning. Some right. districts are doing that. Right. Um, and then, you know, there are, just, there are a couple where, you know, they're so rural and so remote and not and haven't necessarily been hit by it that they kind of just go in, you know, they have small enough class sizes and whatnot that they kind of can just go regularly and just, you know, check masks and social distancing and kind of just hope how, for the best. How far is that from you, like the rural, like, are you, so you're in Texas, I don't, I'm not familiar, you're close to... You got to be considerably close to urban Dallas and also considerably close to like rural extra Dallas, right? I mean, where do you have. I, 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 I live where the Cowboys used to play before ATT Stadium. I drive by uh, what is still a giant. Uh, I mean, now it's kind of grass and, and just dirt, but like I can see the, the, the giant spot where they're now constructing over it, but where the old Cowboys Stadium used to play. Um, literally a stone's throw from Dallas City proper. I see it. I can see the skyline on the wow. highway. Wow. Right over here by my by my job. Um, you know I'm. You know I'm I'm not I'm. I'm not in the suburbia that that um, me and you necessarily grew up in, but I'm not too far from it. Right. Realistically, if I think about it, you know maybe. To, to use a term not for this, but you know what I mean by this. Adjusting for inflation, I think it's probably about on par. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, on par, because the suburbia of New York City is a lot different than Dallas, so it makes sense. Um, but so so the rural districts are kind of just going back to school like whatever. We, we don't e we're not even hit. We're just going to go back. And the more suburban slash urban districts are more hesitant, is what you're saying. Even in Texas. <clears throat> Even in Texas, well, and even like, even, not even, I mean, yeah, you got that with like the urban and suburban, but even like the different suburban areas where just like, I feel like because I'm so close to Dallas and because I'm in Dallas County, 
that were a little bit more progressive than either than right, either right. of the surrounding counties around us, even though like the area I mean, I wouldn't say that we're like Austin, but I wouldn't say that we're as we're we're as red as you possibly think when you normally think Texas. Right, of course not. Right, 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 right. So that's interesting. So that's interesting. So you, so you guys are in the middle, and you guys are doing kind of like remote slash, you know, in-person learning. So is your is your child going to? Did you get to elect if you want to do remote or in-person, or is or is that just like on and off for every kid, or what? What's the story? So we had the option at the beginning of the year to choose if we wanted to remote or in-person. Yes. And. With, you know, just with the way the way my jobs are, and obviously because my, my fiance is a school teacher, you know, it's uh, uh, as as much as we want to keep wanted to keep her out, right? Until it's, you know, until we're 100% comfortable with with everything. Realistically, that's just not that's just not possible. Right. 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 So we signed her up for, you know, in school because we thought the thought process is that, well, not everyone's going to sign up for in school. There'll be kids that will be home. So it'll be the classroom sizes will be smaller. Makes sense. Makes sense. But then, but on top of, but on top of that, um, the, uh, I forget if it was just, if it was the school district or if it was the county, but they put the mandate that. Um, everyone is doing home is doing remote learning until a certain time. Interesting. Which is that? Which is the which is which became the end of September, which is what I said before. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So, so you're all doing remote so till then. Though, so even though we signed her up uh, for in-person learning at the start of the year because of every uh, because of everything and just circumstances, um, no one is doing in-person learning. Uh, the teachers are in their classrooms. Mm-hmm. But no, but no students are are in the building. Interesting. It's kind of like my sister up here in like the uh, Princeton general area. Like she's she's in her classroom teaching, but the students aren't there. She's, it's all virtual. Like she's got the classroom to work with, but it's all virtual. Interesting. Yeah, and that's that, that's what my fiance is doing now. What made us really lucky because what we were dreading is because I know I said it before. Um, I work an overnight job, which is like one, two o'clock in the morning till you know anywhere between seven to as late as like ten a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll do the the pizza gig at night yes. a couple times a week. Yes. And what we were looking at, if uh, we didn't get certain things falling our way, is that I wasn't going to be sleeping much. Right. Because I would have right. had to have done the FedEx, and then I would have had to have been home uh, and awake. Right. For the kid to do the uh, the at home learning, and then right. when my fiance would get home, I'd have to go off the pizza. Right, which is right, 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 right. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, instead of instead of me doing Papa John, or, or sorry, it, um, um, so, and instead of me trying to flip things around with uh, with with Domino's and whatnot, um, luckily what we were able to do is um or because of the, so the district voted that um teachers who have students who are k through i think it was like k through 12 yes could bring could, or k through 8 mm-hmm. could bring their kids to the classrooms with them so 
so luckily my daughter's been able to go to interesting okay yes interesting my fiance's school right with her so i've been able to kind of have a a, as back to a closest assemblance of a normal life as as i still can in covid times interesting bro that's interesting and Rick, Rick is over here talking. He's calling you by name. So if Rick, Rick, if you want to call, I don't know what you're going to say to DZ. He's only telling us about his life. I don't know what Rick is going to say here. But Rick, you can call. Call up, Rick. But interesting, DZ. So DZ, and by the way, you and Sean are both in the food industry, but you both have extracurriculars, just like me. I'm in a different industry than the radio, but we all kind of uh, have a proclivity to join the radio and to do what we do. So that's this dope thing that we do. Um, but deeds. So this is the first time. You, are you gonna be able to call again in the near future or no? And, and you don't I have mean, to commit. Hope, but I hope so. It's realistically. I mean, if I'm if I'm being honest, it's all kind of just dependent on. So we. I got a new. Uh, I got a new um, store manager at the Papa John's. So. Uh-huh. Um. He's just been kind of a hard ass about everything. Like right now, it's like it like it, it's like it was back in the day. I got my old my, my old school manager here. And, so, Deez, hold uh, on. Rick's calling, but uh, one last thing before you leave, Deezy, does Jer- does yes, Texas sir. pizza have shit on Jersey pizza? Okay, so overall, no. Okay. But yes, I have found a few spots since being down here. That there's one spot literally just a couple blocks from my house. I started crying when I bit into this pizza. It, it was, was that, that good? Oh shit! Okay. It was, it was that close to home. The dude's from Boston. He did pizza in Boston for like 20 years, and just uh, I, he told me the story. I think he had family down here, and he wanted just kind of something a little kind of just slower pace. Yes. So he came down here and. You know how I feel about Boston, but I'm glad this dude's down here because his pizza is Don't. fantastic. All right. It's good to hear, DZ. Rick, you there? Rick, you there? Who's there? It's still me. <laughs> so I guess Rick didn't hang up. But anyway. All right. So the Boston guy, DZ, had good pizza. Yes. The Boston okay. guy okay. Texas has good pizza. Got you. So, but the Boston guy was the only guy that made you say this is this almost made me cry because it's akin to northeastern pizza. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. But so so you're still hustling down there, whatever. But you have a soft spot for northeastern pizza. That makes sense. Now Rick is finally calling back. I don't know what he wants to say, Deezy. I don't know what to say to you. You didn't do shit wrong. I don't know what Rick's gonna say. But tune in because let's see what he says to you. And if he says anything against you, which I don't know what he could say, call back. All right, all right, DZ. I should be able to. Love you, DZ. Thanks for calling, bro. I miss seeing you. All right, bro. Later. Rick, what's up? Rick from Arizona. What's up? It is Rick from Arizona. Okay, so look, I wasn't bashing on DZ. I'm just like, (laughs) Jesus Christ, you work too much. (laughs) Is that what it was? You were just saying he works too much? Yeah, you got to take your kid to school so you can work your other job. So you, uh, that's just bullshit. That's no way to live. Deeds works hard, bro. So listen, Deedsy works like a day job. Then he has the kid. And then he works a night job. He's actually at his night job right now, which is part of the problem. He hasn't been able to call in for a couple weeks because he's got he's busy with the night job. He finally got to call yeah. in. So now whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. So no wonder you guys get so. Okay, so first of all, what's up with this music thing? Are you trying to throw me off? 
What are you talking about? You talking about the you modern like, music? <laughs> yeah, you've got like George Benson and Connors and the Crusaders, and I'm like, that's all like '76. Does he have a greatest hits album playing? I just love, I just love how Rick, I just love how you call up, you will flex in the point that like you will act like you don't, like you're just spitballing, but you will name literal fucking songs that I played throughout the podcast by artist. And just yeah, well, just flex, know. and I, I respect it, Rick. I respect it because what you just did by naming Connors and Benson and shit is dope. I bet you ninety nine point nine percent of the people that listen to the podcast would not be able to name those people, and you named it because I put that playlist together earlier today because I was just vibing. I was like, "What do I want on the podcast?" I was like, "Put this Benson song, put Norman Connors Starship, put this, put that." And I was just like, it's just going to be a good vibe. And you already know all the shit, which I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm not. I'm not surprised that you knew no, all. That's awesome. It was a good vibe, but I usually you're on like one artist, right? Yes, I and stick. So I just yes. Challenge like he's challenging me. <laughs> he's gonna play his flaming Impala or whatever it is, and then he's gonna throw this curveball at me. <laughs> no, you obviously. I didn't even do that. I just tried to play some good music, which just happens to be in that 76, I guess, uh, wheelhouse. And you called it out accordingly, as you should. As you should. Which I'm impressed by. I love it. I love it. I love yeah, it. It's stupid. It's what I do to entertain <laughs> It's nothing. Honestly, it's not stupid. It's not. It's, it's just good. It's, it's good music. You just know good music. No, the, no it's not just that. You, you have no idea. My wife is like, how do you know every fucking theme song from the 60s? <laughs> Up to now, plus commercials, <laughs> plus all the other music that you know about. She's like, how do you do that? I'm like, I have no idea. It's great. Well, my... My mother used to like quiz me when I was a kid about different songs, like just because like, oh, who does this? Who does? This? Not because I cared about the quiz aspect, because I just like different songs. I only learned recently, actually, that Bob James, who does so much like smooth jazz in the '90s, he did like uh, Nautilus, which I played on the uh, playlist, and he did the the David Sanborn collab, which I played in the past. Uh, but one of the things he did was he did the theme song to Taxi. But I never knew that. That's when I posted on Facebook earlier this week that that Quincy Jones was like one of the power players in music. The reason I posted that we already know Quincy Jones is. I simply didn't know that he also discovered this guy Bob James who did the Taxi theme song. And and I was reading the wiki of uh, Bob James and it said, well, Quincy Jones discovered him in like 1962. And I'm like, holy shit. So I just yeah, threw that you know, on there Quincy too. Quincy Jones is all in there, man. He's interwoven in like all of that. It's crazy, bro. Yeah, French Prince, like the show, plus Michael Jackson off the wall. It's just crazy. Plus, he was playing with like Ray Charles. It's just interesting. So, yeah. so no, I wasn't trying to throw you off. Actually, I'm impressed right now. Not that I should, because I already know you know music. But I'm impressed that you just tossed out fucking Benson and all those names and Connors like it was nothing. I actually didn't even think about it, and the fact you threw it out there is impressive. I'm not gonna lie to you. Well, it's impressive. I was listening. You know, yeah. that's part of the game. That's part of the reason I call in. <laughs> it's so impressive. It's impressive, bro. All right, so here's the second thing. Okay. Why is your dad making seven racks of ribs <laughs> for himself and potato salad? <laughs> Yo, listen, because... <laughs> 
because tomorrow, half these guys that never call, by the way, Rick, Paisan and Vreeland, and well, Vreeland's not going to be here for his own reasons, I don't know. But then Paisan, Colancini, all these guys, they're coming over tomorrow. We're having a, a Labor Day barbecue, so my dad is making these ribs. And listen, Rick, he has a good rub. He like he, he has a good like seasoned thing. It's a family recipe. He rubs all the ribs, cooks them, and then we throw them on the grill. So tomorrow, we're having like a Labor Day barbecue, and it's going to be just epic. So we're that's why he's doing that. You know what pisses me off about that? What? Dude, listen. You got to come out. Because, listen, when you come out, because you haven't been out here. When you come out, we're going to the city. We're doing a loop around Newark. We're doing a loop around Atlantic City. Then we just come. We're going to just grill and hang out. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. We're playing music that you love. We're throwing Mark Manette off out in the (laughs) bay. It's going to be great. Mark Manette is gone, I guess. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Mark. That's the funny thing. When you call, when you were talking today in the comments, I was like, uh-oh, Rick's talking about, what's his face, Reinhold, whatever. I don't know what Mark's yeah. going to say. I just linked him to hope he would say something about it. I don't know if he's still out there, but he should. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Mark went in the bay. That's funny. We got the boats out here, bro. We got them. He's, he's, that, guy. he's that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's Mark. That's All Mark. Right. So, let's, so let's get into this just briefly. I'm not going to go heavy on this, but... What I was talking to Mark about, I, I'm, I'm actually concerned about. I mean, there's a lot of police that treat these militia people completely different. Like, okay, so this guy that shot the dude, the dude's from, it's called Patriot Prayer. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're affiliated with the Proud Boys. I mean, they've, they've come in, they come in from across the river from Vancouver, Washington into Portland, right? Mm-hmm. And... I mean, these people, if you watch some of the videos from Portland when this Trump group came through, I'm hearing 600 trucks. They're paintballing people from their trucks. I saw that. I saw the paintball thing, by the way. I saw that. Okay, so this dude dude that shot the prayer patriot Mm -hmm. um, guy, he's been shot before stopping somebody from shooting somebody else. I saw that. Right, and it's been these groups. And these people have threatened the mayor of Portland. Mm-hmm. I mean, with, like, oh, we'll kill you. They're like, we're going to slit your throats. Um, not not BLM, but, you know, Antifa. So one Antifa guy, one self-professed Antifa guy, shoots somebody in what seems to be self-defense, and it's fucking on. The, the right wing is coming unglued in some of the places that I travel on social media. Yes. And they're like, oh, yeah, they're fucking violent. And this guy posts this big article about all the violence that's happened since George Floyd's killing, right? And yes. every single one of them is like police or militant group or police or militant group. So now they finally got this one guy who gave an interview to Vice, and mm-hmm. he's 48, mm-hmm. and he said, I mean, he's been shot with beanbags, he's been going to Portland for years, and this dude, like you said, pulled some, started to pull something out. Mm-hmm. And he fucking mm-hmm. shot him. Mm-hmm. And that's self-defense. But that's mm-hmm. not how it was broadcast at all. Meanwhile, Kyle fucking Rittenhouse is almost up to, a, what, a million dollars in donations? Because he went to another town and ran through the streets playing fucking cowboy and, and killed people. I just... Nobody looked at the background of this Patriot Prayer Group guy or their association with Proud Boys or the violence that they bring. I mean... When you have Donald Trump sending basically 
police forces into Portland and, and everything gets worse, right? And he's like, okay, and he pulls them out and things start to settle down. And then 600 trucks roll in to Portland, spraying people and, and paintball, paintballing people. What do you think is going to happen? I'm surprised only one person got shot. And it's getting on my last good nerve in the sense like I'm ready I'm ready to suit up, you know what I mean? And that that irritates me because I, I thought I'd thrown all that away. I thought I was done with all that. But for you to say that it's all, you know, depends on what side you're on, I disagree. Uh, this guy has been in the shit. He lived in Portland. And these people came from other places and made threats. That's the complete opposite of, like, the Rittenhouse situation. But but it, but is it but is it? I don't support violence at all. Right, you but if I mean? you don't support violence at all, I mean, is it the complete opposite? I can't agree. It's not the complete opposite. Rittenhouse says he's providing security. This guy says he's providing security. They both reacted. They both reacted to a stimulus that could be either self-defense or not. They both were kind of looking for a quote security fight. The difference that I see that I agree with you, I have to concede, is that this guy was from Portland, which which makes it a little bit more legitimate but but don't you think that in general like 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 taking a deep breath and being objective and, and being an intellectual person that you are don't you think that there's some and i mean it too because i don't mean it to be patronizing at all i mean it like in the true, no, truest just, sense you're, you're flirting with me and it's making me uneasy. <laughs> such an idiot but listen 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 i mean look you have your belief systems and they're strong i i, I don't think Forget whether I agree with – put it this way, and I, and I know it's going to be long-winded, but look, you are the one always telling me that Antifa as a label is misplaced because anti-fascism is not this uh, easily discernible group of leftist yeah. radicals, right? So this – right. So this individual could have been actual Antifa the way you say it, which is like a – anti-fascist person or he could be loosely associating with the left whatever my point is he self-identifies he, he right said he's not affiliated with any group but he is anti-fascist yes so now but my thing is this rick like like you're not for violence so while you may sympathize more with the person who's anti-fascist than the fascist himself Aren't there some similarities between, like, anybody suiting up, getting ready for, like, quote, security, but really kind of down for a fight? Because this guy said, I'm not for violence, but I'll take it if it comes. we got to get violent if we have to. Aren't, isn't there some similarity on either side for, like, suiting up and going for the fight when, like, you and I could do better by having, like, a good conversation and putting our resources and money where our mouth is and advocating right. for the right things? Like... Isn't there something to be said for both sides, like, kind of bullshit? I'm not, and I'm not saying that, like, like I said, and you acknowledge, and you could disagree, it's fine, you disagreed already, which is perfectly fine. I'm saying, like, I acknowledge, like, this guy could have been acting in self-defense just like Rittenhouse could have been, or they both could have been looking for a fight. Like, isn't there something to be said for, like, just sides doubling down on their own shit all the time, like, for their own guy? Like, we all know we hate fascists. Me and you probably agree more with hating fascists than the opposite. I don't love the far left, but I bet I'm more on your side than their side. Yeah. But, like, I still see yeah. that, like, it's all it's all bullshit to, like, go out and fight. Like, wouldn't you agree that, like, if a Nazi's going to march down the street, it's it's shit, but it's a First Amendment? And if a straight-up, like, socialist commie is going to march, it's First Amendment? I mean, what is your take on that? Like, and, and you could disagree, but I'm just trying to figure out where we are here. The, the, whole, the whole issue that I see and that, that is starting to worry me 
is the difference in the way the police treat these right-wing militia groups. They walk right. into state houses unaccosted. Right. No pepper spray, no bean bags, right. not shit. They, right. they give them water in the Rittenhouse case. They're like, hey, thanks, guys, for being here. Mm-hmm. You see a group of protesters, and I'm talking about protesters. I'm not talking about rioters. Yes, yes. People causing damages to buildings. And the police are like, here's your tear gas. Here's your fucking bean bags. Sit the fuck down and get out of the park. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's a ridiculous sighting, and I think that what concerns me is that there is this union between some law enforcement and these right-wing militia groups, and that's a huge difference. That's a huge difference between this guy, um, whatever his name is, that was shot by police, which they said he had a gun. Sure. But did he use it? Because it sounds like he got in his car and tried to take off and they just lit him up. That's what it sounds like to me. So but, I, I hear that. So now now I hear that. Now now I won't say, because because neither of us was there, right? I, I, the way I see right. it is anybody with a gun or a weapon. Now we're getting on the, the, the we're getting on the path of like, dude, once you got a gun, like I don't sympathize as much with you getting shot as if you didn't have a gun. Like, but and I'm not I'm not contradicting what you're saying. I'm saying so I don't necessarily we don't know, right? The guy could have put it in his pocket and drove away, the guy could have had it drawn. I don't know. But 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 your valid point and I'm, and and I'm not the determinant of what's valid, but just from my opinion. I think it makes sense. Your your assertion is that there's more sympathy if you're on the right wing side of the militias than on the left side. And it makes sense because Rittenhouse walked past them after shooting two people with a gun and he was not accosted. But this individual may have had a gun and fled. Now, look, I'm not saying I know because, again, you know me. I hate the confluent, like the juxtaposition of two different things. I don't know what happened when they tried to apprehend this guy versus versus Rittenhouse. I mean, there was a difference thing. I'm not saying they like consciously said the same cop said I'm going to kill him and 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 let him go because that's not what happened. But your valid point is that the police in your opinion, see these right-wing vigilantes as more aligned with their cause as opposed to the left-wing vigilantes and there's inadequate, unfair treatment. That's correct. And and not only that, but the right-wing people are doing the most damage. I mean, the first two nights in Kenosha, no shots fired. Right. The militia shows up. People die. People are shot. It's the same in Portland. And that's where I give, that's where I see the big difference between Rittenhouse and this Ripple or whatever his name is, guy in Portland. He's lived there. He's dealt with this for a long time now, right? Right. He's walking down the street. He's with one of his black friends. These guys come up and try to accost them. The guy's going to obviously end up being pepper spray, but it doesn't matter, right? I mean, Rittenhouse got a fucking plastic bag thrown at him, and everybody's like, they attacked him. You know, fuck that. that. That is not the same thing. And yeah, but reaching in your pocket to pull out a can of pepper but, spray but, or a gun, or who knows who's on the roof ready to shoot you. That's but, happened a lot of places too. These right wing militias, but wouldn't have snipers on the roof, right? And, and, and they are far more dangerous, and they cause far more damage. And the police still do nothing when these people gather until there's actual violence, which there almost always is, especially with these proud boys. They the police do nothing. Nothing. Right. But now, wouldn't you agree, though, that, like, you're talking about the guy was reaching to pull out mace. Wouldn't you agree 
that if it was a, the opposite, the left guy was pulling out Mace and he got killed, there'd be an outcry. He wasn't armed. It was just Mace. Come on. It's Mace. It's a knife. No. It's not. You don't think so? Come on. I disagree with you there. I disagree. Rittenhouse. I disagree. The guy threw a bag at him and it got blown into it. It was a Molotov cocktail. It wasn't. It was a plastic bag from, you know, Quick Stop or whatever the small markets in your right. area might be called. But now, isn't Mace not the same as a gun? No. All right. Now, isn't a bag no, not the I, same I, as a gun? My point is, isn't there some... 600 trucks rolled into Portland, dude. Okay, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the... Yes. No, you're right. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the people that diverted into downtown where the protests were specifically looking for trouble. They they threatened these left-wing protests. But are you saying that there's no left-wing protesters looking for trouble? No, I'm not saying that. All right, so I'm not trying I'm, to even I'm argue, but... they're being underestimated... And you and I both know this, being the peaceful warriors that we are, right? Yes. We know that there. We don't go looking for trouble, but if it finds us, you damn right we're going to step into it. We're not going to run. We're not going to go. Oh, I mean, we'll probably try to talk our way out of it, being the people that we are. Right. But but once uh, it, the shit starts flying, we're not running. Yes, but you know, Rick. We're not going to back down. I mean, there's video. Of the Rittenhouse thing, there's a militia guy going, yeah, the police said, we'll round him up and herd him towards you, towards the park. The guy's saying the police said that. It's a militia guy. It's not a left-wing person. The left-wing people that are still alive are saying Rittenhouse and other militia guys in Kenosha were pointing guns at him as they walked past. And, the one, and they slashed tires so these people couldn't even leave when they came down to protest. Right, but you, so, yes, but listen. That's a huge difference, man. But listen, I don't think it's that big of a difference, because listen, you okay. say if you show up, you're not, you, if a fight comes to you, you ain't going to turn around and run from it, right? Yes. You and I both know, growing up, wherever we grew up, that if you show up to a spot where there's going to be trouble and you ain't looking for trouble, but if trouble finds you, you'll handle it, but you go to that spot with your arms crossed or whatever and watch, I mean... There's some level that's similar to the right-wing guy. No, I mean, you're not just going to be completely peaceful. You're going to say, I'm not going to provoke a fight, but but you're there to, like, have a fight if it comes. I mean, you're not there to be completely passive. I mean, right? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't been to a protest in a, in a while because I'm old, let's face it. Right. But, but when I used to go, no, I wasn't looking for trouble. I was literally going to support the cause. And no... I never had any trouble. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And well, I'm talking about the difference between a guy in his hometown going around and going... No, that's you know, a big difference. I, I concede that. I think that's a huge difference. I agree with you there. Like, he's from Portland. I mean, that's a big difference. Yeah, and, and that is a big difference. And these people have been pushing this for a long time in Portland. I mean, uh, Portland's a hugely liberal city overall. Right. But these people drive in there when they know things are bad. They know people are, are wound, right? And then they paintball and pepper spray them. That, that's antagonizing. And they do it with a purpose. And it's on their – I think the main guy for Proud Boys just got his shit all pulled off of social media for promoting this. But he was praising this guy that got killed as a – oh, he's – he was a hero. He was a really nice guy. He was a, you know what I mean? If he was a really nice guy, he would have stayed at home and watched it on the news, right? He wouldn't have gone there with a can of pepper spray in his pocket looking for trouble. Yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not defending that guy. But I, but on the other hand, too, I mean, what's happening in Portland that they need to be bombing the courthouse? 
there's no there's no case that happened in Portland. It's a liberal city, like you said. So I'm not defending one side against the other as much as condemning them all. I mean, why are the leftists out there bombing the court? Aren't they agitating too? I'd say yes. Say they're all agitators. Yeah, but, uh, they're well, all agitators. I think a lot of those people. Are, I don't remember who said the quote, but it's something about you know when a market or when a, a capitalistic society is full of an injustice, then targeting businesses and whatever is that's an act of rebellion that's that's what happens again it, what do they call that in latin a priori right before the fact right is that what it is yes that that nobody wants to look at the source of this the people in portland are protesting for a reason and then trump sends in troops and and i mean they beat that navy dude who was just standing there yeah, but there was also a black guy who was repping the American flag, and he got chastised and chased away. My point is, yeah. aren't there so many white people in Portland that are living the life of capitalism, doing pretty well, and all of a sudden they're shooting bombs at the courthouse for no fucking reason, too? Yeah, and, and I think that, <laughs> that too, is that, that is not the answer. Right. I understand right. the mentality behind it and the frustration, right. but it's not the answer. It, it right. really isn't. But, but they're making a bigger deal. I mean, I have friends that live in Portland, and mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's like these four blocks, right? <laughs> well, yes, we, but yes, the we, right yes. The wing is like the city's burning. Yeah, yes, right? good point, good point, yes, yes, yes. It's been taken over by liberals, and, and that's what these Proud Boys promote. They're like, I mean, that crazy shit that, uh, who posted that on your page the other day, that crazy fucking conspiracy theory about Obama's going to, take over with his Muslim bullshit and I forget. I didn't you know, even, we're all gonna be yes. FEMA camps with ovens and, <laughs> I mean, Well Rick, let me ask you this question because this goes kinda with the conversation. And this is something that I've been getting at for a long time. So in Minneapolis initially, right, there was this yeah. it was events it's there's this there was this initial theory in most of these cities that outsiders who are not actual peaceful protesters are actually the ones precipitating like the destruction and violence, like the burning of things, etc. Right. Now, the guys that burn the yes, were not from there. That's my point. So now, when we were in Minneapolis, there was this the burning of the auto zone and then the burning of the target, and and in a lot of left-oriented people who I know, not you, I'm not, it wasn't you, actually, uh, kind of, like, on one hand, we're saying, well, anybody burning things is an outside agitator, probably a right-winger. However, I'm supporting burning down all the things because it's a left-wing, um, uh, it makes sense, you know, via the anti-capitalistic uh, ideology that we burn things down, etc. Now, it came out yeah. in those cases that the agitators who actually burned those places down were, in fact, right-wing, out-of-towners who were trying to precipitate yeah. violence. And they obviously have a reason to do that. Would you say that sometimes we're so quick to justify certain, quote, agitation? And I, I would agree with you that I think a lot of agitation comes from the right. I think some agitation comes from the left. I think they're, they're partially responsible. But sure. isn't it interesting to you? I mean, it is or it isn't, but that, like, people rush to defend certain destructive things because it's anti-capitalist or anti-system or whatever. But it's actually the right-wingers doing it to try to give a bad name to the peaceful First Amendment protesters. I don't know. What's your general take on that? Because I think that's part of this whole thing. 
I mean, I think there's a push. I, I think there's anger on the left, and and there's also opportunism that isn't even left or right. Yes, it's just true. Opportunism, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. people run into Target and steal everything, mm -hmm. for instance, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. just bullshit. And this is one of the reasons, and I think we talked about this before, where I was going to be an anarchist. That was my shit, right? Right. When right. I was twenty. Right. And I, I mean, like, like literally to the point. Uh, talk. I was talking about shooting down a police helicopter all right? right that's right. where i was right and this and, is before or after I, the armed services this is before i went in the military okay okay interesting just trying to yeah. like get the context okay yeah i mean because you know i went in the military with a purpose too but i don't want to get off on that so no okay I, I had this idea of anarchy let's just say that right chaos ruled and you know, the system is full of shit and people mm -hmm. are being blindly led and I just wanted to stir shit up. Mm -hmm. And, but I realized, because I'm also a thinker, mm -hmm. that all that would do was let the the government, state, federal, whatever, create more laws to oppress more people. Yes, that's true though, yes. On everybody. Yes. Right? Yes. That, that would, and that would hurt the people too. So yes. I'm like, okay, well, that's out. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. no, I that, agree. That was my thought about it. I right. Don't, I don't like destruction. I don't. Right. Right. But when somebody comes into somebody else's town and starts breaking shit, and, and I mean, because you know how people are, and you see somebody breaking something, and and yes, in that Minneapolis case, they try to get that guy with the umbrella. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? They did. But, yes. But once that, once that happens, though. People are like, yeah, break shit. You know what I mean? Yes, that's just, yes. That's natural, like like a mosh pit at a concert. Yes. You know, there's a couple people down there hitting each other, and then all of a sudden there's a hundred people slamming into each other. Makes sense. Yes. That, that's what that's what humans do. That's what sheep do too, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. True though. So, Good point. Yeah, there'll be a hole in the fence. None of the sheep will go through it until the first sheep finally does, and then right. the rest of the sheep are like right through that hole. Right. That's just farm floor. But uh, I I don't. I don't appreciate the violence, the the destruction of public property and all of that, but I understand that. I do not understand why these right-wing people want to go someplace and purposely create that chaos, purposely pick a fight. I mean, yes. do they think that, that there's any solution that's going to come of that that's going to be good. Do they think, oh, well, we got guns and the left are all a bunch of snowflakes, mm -hmm. so we'll just kill them. I mean, they have no idea how well I shoot. They have no idea. No, but it's true. And I mean, I mean, I think it's interesting. It goes to both points that we've been making and and not even to try to, like, like it's true. The left, to act as if the left can't shoot or can't be violent is a, is a silly thing. And I don't mean that to be equivocal. I mean, I mean, it's true, right? I mean... Right. I think they do think that, and it is naive, and it is stupid. And I think it, it, as yeah. much as that goes to the left, like, no, we can shoot too. It also goes to the left, like, we can shoot too. So don't also always paint the left as so docile. These these dudes can fight for their shit too, for better or worse. But I think you make a good point. Yeah, yeah, we're, and we're a lot smarter than them. Right. I mean, that's the bottom line. Right. I see these people, they're not right. mental giants, right? Yes. And I, 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 that's that's neither here nor there really because there's a lot of stupid left yeah but I understand that yes I understand your point though but, yes but but what is their end game do they think 
that, that they're going to rule, like Trump's going to rule the universe and <laughs> right. they're not king. And right. They're going to be these happy, uh, like we got slavery back and it's all liberals that we're now controlling. I mean, what right. is their end game? They don't fucking have one. Right. So I, I respect somebody that is like, we're going to be violent until you stop with your shit, right? With right. oppressing us and killing us and killing black people. I, I respect that a lot more than I have any respect for these people that are just like, well, we got guns and we got, you know, camouflage. Let's go fucking shoot people. <laughs> I understand. I, yeah, I understand your logic. I do. I think my biggest thing is I think there's a lot of, and this is, comes from being an educated person in a leftist-oriented environment. I, I think there's a lot of educated leftists that also get swept up in the... I'm not disagreeing with anything you said. I think everything you just said, especially in the last two minutes, is completely accurate. I just think there's definitely people on the left. I guess my point is they could be operating on a premise to be violent that I, I might take issue with their premise, right? I might take issue with... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe you're not founded upon – and I think we agree with this because we even talked about the Blake case recently and we agreed. Like we may disagree on some aspects, but like this isn't the time to like burn shit down. Like that's yeah, where I get – yeah. Not for that incident. That was yes. a dude that was right. scared for whatever reason and probably shouldn't be a cop. Right, right. But like that's and where I, mean, I think we – the premise – I think your premise is accurate. I think sometimes where people, including me, get like – disenchanted is like I'd rather keep violence totally out of it because I bet the propensity for people to act on it with the wrong underlying facts is so great that the violence is probably never going to be a good idea because chances are if you're acting on it it's not on it's not on the right basis now I you could disagree with that but that that's like my thing I think that's where I am you know no, I, I, my, my cousin just unfriended me on Facebook my fucking Jesus Christ over this he's he lives in Houston, right? <laughs> right. outside the Houston area. Yes. And he's a huge, like, no mask, COVID numbers are fake, mm -hmm. and, and borderline QAnon. Mm-hmm. This QAnon shit's crazy. And he gets so mad, and I'm not calling him out. I'm not going, you're a fucking idiot. Look, here. Right. He, he just says stuff just, like, out of the blue. And I'm like, that is not, like, the article where they said, you know, only 6% people died just from COVID. Oh, I was going to bring that up, but I'll bring that up next week. That Thanks for reminding me. Yes, that was insane. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, yes. And, and he read that to mean only 6% of the people that died actually died of COVID. Right. And I tried to say, like, if you're born and you have an undiagnosed heart problem. Right, right. right. And you one day at 20 years old decide you're going to drink an energy drink and you die. <laughs> right, right. Was it? Was it was it the heart problem that killed you, or was it the energy drink exacerbating that right. heart condition? Right. That's the same with COVID. Agreed. And I mean, I had this tennis ball growth on my back from COVID, from a blackhead that I've had since I was 18, that maybe got the size of a pea once in a while, mm -hmm. and my significant other would always, you know, get rid of it, right? Because mm -hmm. girls are freaky like that. <laughs> yes, they are. But, <laughs> but, it, but I mean... I got this, I mean, it was almost a tennis ball on my back, dude. I could not lean back for two yes. weeks. Yes, yes. Right? And, and that was because I had COVID. And COVID right. seems to grab anything that is wrong with you. Yes, And make yes. it just like a hundred times worse. Yes. And so I said to him, I said, so these people that died with COVID that had other issues, would they have died if they had not gotten COVID? And he just, I mean, he just loses his shit. And the last thing, I can't even remember what he posted, but first of all, Facebook said, 
this is false information. And then one of his buddies who normally agrees with him said, this is false information. And I was like, look what's happening. Yes, you know, yes. And this was in private messages. Right. I'm not calling him out in public in front of people. Right. I'm like, look, man, look what's happening. Mm-hmm. And he's like, fuck you, I don't need your guidance, blah, 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 blah. Insane. Like, right. You're I trying to help him. The truth. Right. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. So wait, you had COVID too, Rick? You had COVID too? I did, way back in the beginning of March. Yeah, me too, bro. I had it in the late March. I know I said it, but yeah, we yeah. both had it. Interesting, yeah. yeah it was fucking brutal. And yeah, it yeah. It in that growth on my back. And I was yeah. like, what the hell is happening? Interesting, like, man. Yeah. Voldemort yeah. coming out of me, right? Yeah, no but, <laughs> no, but that's interesting, though. No, but good point. That's interesting shit. That's interesting. Yeah, it exacerbates whatever's wrong with you. And the interesting, just a tidbit before we get off, too, because it's getting late, but tidbit is... Yeah. In the law, we learn that. One of the first things we learn is you take your victim as you find them. Meaning, if you exacerbate a pre-existing injury in criminal law, you're still a murderer. And if you exacerbate a pre-existing injury in civil law, you're still liable for the injury. Like, whatever you do, if the person had an issue, that's your problem. The idea that the issue kind of negates the cause is absurd. Like, in every way I've ever thought. So your point is 100% accurate, even in that fucking sense, you know? Yeah, it's like the George Floyd thing, right? They're yes. now saying, well, he was on drugs, and that's why he died. I don't give a he shit. because you're fucking, he was yes. on drugs, and your knee was in yes. his neck for eight minutes. Yes, George Floyd is, like, so evident, it's not even funny. I mean, like, yeah, I don't care what he was on. Your knee, you're sitting there with your knee on his neck for however long it was. It was absurd. It was murder, yeah, murder. Yeah, look on that dude's face, man. That look on that cop's face. Yes. Murder. It, he was enjoying that. Yeah, murder. Murder. Yes. And, and I, I tried to separate that with the Blake thing. Like, these are not the same thing. It's not, man. Racial. It's not. Right. It's not the same thing. It's just not. I'm not saying that yeah. one guy's life matters more or one guy should be. It's just it, they're not the same thing and we can't act like they are. It's just true. Because people right. know it's not the same thing. And it's just not. Right. I, I, I mean, I call up my lefty friends whenever they post false shit about Trump. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy doing that. You know, I told my cousin that, too. Yes. Like, I, I just, it's, I'm, I'm about the truth. I'm about trying to find it, even if I don't know it. Yes. And like, the conversations you and I have sometimes where we get a little heated. <laughs> yes. It, it is about the dialogue. Which yes. Is what you were talking about earlier with D-Rock and, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of shit. It, 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 it's important because sometimes in the midst of those dialogues, both or one party will have an epiphany, right? Like, yes. oh, Yes. Now I now I see it. Now I see it. Yes. And not having a dialogue is the problem. So I agree. I'm just gonna end on that. Yeah, and that's a dope. Much. That's a good way to end it, Rick. I love you. Call next week. You're like a regular. Now you're part of the show. I just aver- I advertise you now. I hope you know it. I say Rick calls in with this. Rick calls in with that. You're. I don't know about that live on D Rock thing, but uh, you know. I'm no, you're gonna get on. We're gonna do. We're gonna make it happen. You're coming because you're a regular. So you're on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see your decor behind you. We're gonna. Don't even worry. We're gonna set that up. On, off the air, so don't even worry about that. All right. You will see the Italian. I can't fucking wait. I know you're an Italian, so we're gonna we're gonna have the Italian thing in common from different coasts, and we're all good. So I can't wait. <laughs> all right, Rick. Love you, brother. Later. So that was Rick. You know how Rick is. Rick's a fucking G, man. Rick. Rick knows every damn song I play. Knows every shit that's going on. That's just him, bro. That's just Rick. Rick knows what's up all the damn time, every damn time, and that's how he is. So listen. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be having different features. I hope you guys enjoy the different guests we had this time. I think it's a, a good addition to the show. I think it, it, it kind of moves it along. It diversifies it. People like 
if you want to be a part of it, just call because I think people like Rick and Deedzy, they became part of the show. Now, people look forward not just to hearing me go over and over. They look forward to hearing Rick. They look forward to what Rick is going to say about a certain incident. They look forward to what Deeds is going to say about a certain incident, right? About a certain news story. It's not just about me now. They're like, well, I want to listen to the Logic and Larry podcast because Rick is going to say something. I want to hear what he says. And so we kind of all have this community now that's building and it's dope. So next week, next week I am going to have, if all things work out correctly, my, my good friend and, and one of the, the best, I'll say the best poet, Male, because I know a good female poet too, but the best male poet I have ever met, Elliot Font. And I met him, and we will go into how we met on the podcast next week. But Elliot Font is going to be on the show next week uh, to highlight what he's doing, what he's about. And uh, Elliot and I are artistic companions. We have a lot of art coming out together, uh, but he has a lot of art coming out on his own. He's another Newark area native and a jersey dude so he's gonna come on next week and we're gonna hash stuff out this wednesday at the bar in newark and he's gonna come on and do a little bit next week next week i'll be playing bobby krills when adon speaks as my feature at the end the week following i'll be playing christopher don as my feature and i will be having c lou lewis cheyenne lewis who is the owner of uh, the delivery guy in Monmouth County, New Jersey. He'll be on the week of the, the 18th. And tonight, before we go out, I want you to listen. And if you, if you like it, I'll post the video on my personal page and on my podcast page. This is a dope song. This is a local Jersey cat. And it's a dope song. And this is C. Lou. That's his hip-hop name. His name is Cheyenne Lewis. He is a business owner. He's a dope artist. And I think the message on the song is dope. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out playing his song. And for the next few weeks, I'm going to play the songs of local artists. So, again, appreciate you joining me. It was a dope show tonight. We had a lot of different people calling in from all around the country. I always love spending time with you guys. We are forming something really good. Stay with me. Stay with me. We're going to keep doing it, and we're going to do it until they recognize us. We're going to do it until they sign us. So whoever calls up, whatever, you are regularly part of the show, keep it up. We are doing this together. This is this is really dope, and we are really building something. So on that note, I'm going to go out on C. Lou's song, and I will talk to you all next week. I look forward to it. Look for C. Lou's song on my page. Good night.
You know 